LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Happy thoughts. Happy. No, I can't. I'm really sorry. I've made an effort. That was my effort for the year to think happy thoughts. It wasn't a very good effort. It was a pathetic effort. But I'm sorry. I was so wound up. I'm like a coiled spring. Let me tell you. And that was just getting into work this morning. You're very lucky to get me here in one piece. It was a nightmare journey from hell. As indeed it was for everybody trying to get into work. We all tend to forget that whilst we were snug in our beds at sort of six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock last night, there were thousands and thousands of people having what they call revelling. And they were out there getting drunk. They're still out there now, being sick, usual sort of things, behaving badly, uh, robbing, j- j- all the usual sort of things you expect, <coughs> excuse me, for New Year's Eve. And so we came in today, you know, all full of all nice thoughts. I was thinking, well, normally by this time, this is about 20 past half past five. Normally by this time, the cleaners are out, they're, they're cleaning up the roads, and 99% of people have gone home. 99% of people have gone home because, you know, that's what they do. After you've had a few drinks, you get on the tube, you go home, you put your head down. No, sadly not this morning. So we come out of Knightsbridge. Up, up until Knightsbridge, it had all been going quite well. You know, I was sort of thinking, right, what shall I do this way? I definitely wanted to mention the Peter Andre programme for yesterday. I might mention the fireworks. I didn't see them. But I know what a firework looks like, so I've seen those before. And uh, so a little bit some people, the fiscal policy in America. I'm, you know, I'm not too bothered about that. I thought we'd talk to the ambulance man, something like that. OK, we'll do it later. And we get as far as Knightsbridge. We get to the spaghetti house, and we go to go under the tunnel to pop up at Piccadilly, and then come straight through. No, blocked off. So, OK, so we go round... And we tried to go down Piccadilly past the Hard Rock. No, that, that's blocked. I thought maybe just the tunnel, but no, 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 no. They blocked that off. So we then go round a little bit further to try and nip down the Mall, Constitution Hill. And that's blocked off as well. So we go down into Victoria. By this time, I see, I see the dream of the broadcast getting further and further into the distance. So by this time, we're now at about 25 to 6. And we head down for Victoria. So we go as if we're going to go left past the Royal Mews. No, that's blocked off as well. So, OK, so we'll head round into Victoria and we'll go down Victoria Street, which will bring us out in Parliament Square, and then we can shoot straight up. That'll be easy. No, that was blocked too. You know, stern-looking police officers with their arms folded, looking like something out of a John Wayne film. Nobody's saying a word because we've just blocked... I couldn't understand why, as far out as Victoria, it was blocked off. It didn't, I didn't quite get that. There was nobody around apart from people coning it off. So, anyway, so we go round... And then we end up Elephant and Castle. Every road is blocked. Every single... There was nowhere you could go. We couldn't get onto the embankment to come back in again. So we end up going. And then I thought, we're going to hit Fleet Street in a minute. So we go round again. Every time we went to do a left, you couldn't. It was almost like the entire... The entire city was in lockdown. There was nowhere you could get in. And I'm getting more and more frustrated and cross. I think cross would be a very good description. Because I was thinking, I've been working in the capital now for a good 35, 40 years. And I've never had any trouble, even though I'm only 37, and I've never had any trouble getting in to work. All right, there might be one or two people slumped over a railing or something like that, but you just put that down. Eventually, we get into Covent Garden. And, uh, and then we're just about to sort of head quite near, and no, it was blocked off again. And I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'll walk from here. Well, you take your life in your hands out there. You take your life in the hands. There's gangs of feral youths, you know, dirty-looking people. You know, when you look at some people, you think, you've made no effort to get ready to go out tonight. You look as though you're out on the rob or something like that. Little gangs of youths. At one point, there was a little gang of youths with a midget in the middle. I don't know why I noticed that. And I remember thinking, 
Perhaps they were babysitting some. No, he was actually a midget. He just looked a bit sad in the middle of these people. And there's girls being sick. Drunk girls leaning up against walls. Small wonder the police are overworked, standing, blocking roads when they could be out there protecting people, getting them on buses and getting them out of the capital as quick as possible. Around Leicester Square, the food places were open. And unfortunately, where you get alcohol and you get food places that are open, people hang around. They don't go home. They're leaning up against walls as people sort of touching strangers. And, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord above. If I get surrounded by a gang, I can offer them a mince pie. You know, kind of thing, as you're about to sort of go face down into the gutter, you know, when they say, you've got a phone, mate. I go, no, but I've got some Iceland mince pies. And very good they are too. You know, knock yourself out with one of these. And it's just a nasty atmosphere. Just a nasty, nasty atmosphere. And uh, as I eventually got into the building, because I was quite lucky, apparently, because two minutes before that, somebody had slumped up against the door, dribbling. Oh, dear, there's nothing worse. as the, the alcohol quotient in London last night. It must have been astronomical. For a lot of people, it was nice. They came in, watched the fireworks, took the kids home, or went back to their hotel or whatever, and had a nice time. For the rest of us, trying to get into work. You know, the sober ones, hello. You know, we were... Well, we had a few drinks last night, but nothing, nothing particularly spectacular. And, uh, and I was in bed by, I think, about eight o'clock. By the time I'd done... Which, which is actually not bad, was it? I thought that was quite good. But I'd sent all my texts and emails uh, to wish people Happy New Year. I'm quite organised. I sit there texting and, and doing them all. And I sent, I think, about 40 texts last night. I go through my phone book and I send texts to sort of family and friends, which I, which I quite enjoy doing. And then I sent some cards. And I've got, at the moment, 20 replies from people I sent to yesterday, which because if they hadn't replied, they'd have been off the list for next year. I don't want to, you know, I'm not making a threat or anything like that. It's only nine minutes past seven, I know. But uh, all sorts of people, even Christo Fufas, I sent, I sent him one, you know, because I knew he wasn't going out because he was babysitting his mother's dog, apparently. And, uh, and all sorts of, uh, all sorts of friends uh, and, and some nice people, actually, some nice, nice people. I even sent one to, uh, to Carl McQueen here. I sent Carl McQueen a Happy New Year. I did so. And, you know, so far, he's not replied, so he'll be off the list for next year. We won't be, actually, no, won't be. Won't be. Still be on the list next year. But I sent to loads and loads of people. I really, I'm just looking through the list here, actually. Uh, you know, also, even Johnny from Essex, who recently got married. And uh, my policeman friend, Dan, he had a busy night. And I, 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 Clive didn't get one. No. Oh, did he not get one? Did, are you sure? Well, I find that very difficult to believe. I'll, I shall have a look at my list. Cl- Clive, are you... No, not, no, Clive, well, I didn't send one to. I was going to. And then I thought, no. And I've just had one come in now. <laughs> it's from... Oh, it's from Jonathan Levi. Uh, but I thought I sent to Clive Jones. Have I not sent him a... I'm sure I did. I think he's... Is he peeved? Oh, dear, I hate it when people are peeved. It sort of worries me, because I'm sure... Sh- are you sure I didn't? You not get the picture of me sitting in the bath? I sent that to everybody. <laughs> It's a New Year's treat for most of my friends, believe you me, because they've generally seen me with the flannel on. <laughs> this is where the flannel came off this year. But uh, I'm really sorry about that. I really thought that I'd sent one. I even sent one to Lee Baldry, who you know works on the television, does all these, um, these um, I'm going to call it mobile things, the roulette on the television and stuff like that. Uh, I went and sent one to uh, Barbara and, uh, and Scott. I didn't see that person on the television the other evening. You have to tell me more about that. So, uh, happy and healthy Christmas to, to them, and Jason, and his lovely girlfriend, and uh, all sorts of people, all sorts of people. Uncle Rob, Darren. See, look, Clive, LB... Oh, I didn't. I didn't send one. 
I didn't say Monte Clark. Oh, that's that's really remiss of me. I'm not like that at all because I was going. I said one now. Happy New Year, Poppet. Okay, there you go. Big kiss. Send that off. Oh dear! And we could always pretend, can't we, that it got stuck in the you know in the ether? Because there must have been millions, mil- trillions of texts and emails sent yesterday to wish people, you know, a very happy new year. I mean, and the reason I have to send them in the afternoon, and it was sort of early evening, is because I go to bed early. There's no chance. I mean, I did send some Jackie Lawson cards. I sent about 30, pardon me, 30 of those out, which are these lovely animated cards. Really, really good. Really, really good. So I sent uh, loads of those out to uh, past producers and friends, and they go generally just after midnight. Except my brother never opens his up. I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever, ever either answers his mobile phone or actually checks his computer. Because I, I send messages left, right and centre and he doesn't seem to get them for weeks on end. So I'm assuming he hasn't quite moved into the technological side of, uh, of the... Which, can we get the, um, the text up? Uh, that one there? Oh, right. Can you, do the, can you put them all in? Can you put them all up? We don't do it from a time, we just do the whole lot. Okay, I like to sort of catch up on on everything and see what everybody's been saying overnight. What, this everything that came in overnight? Can't be. No, that this yeah. This has been started from uh six twenty. There must have been what was Ollie Mann surviving on last night? Can't have been that. Must have been everything. Uh Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, they've announced that uh, she's pregnant, so that's good news, isn't it? She's known him about five seconds. About five seconds, which is which is not much cop, but I, mean, I suppose you've got to got to get some publicity going. Uh, you think they'll be around in a year's time? No, I think it's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. It's just, you know, he's just. I don't even know who he is. He's a singer, isn't he? He's vastly overweight by the look of it, and he wears big gold chains around his neck, so slightly flash. Thank you. Um, and so they he announced the news on stage during his Atlantic City show, and and the uh, the star, the reality star that is Kim Kardashian, a vile piece of work, vile piece of work. Have you seen her? The way I watched some of the early Kardashians, talk about rude, talk about rude to people. I couldn't believe it. And uh, she says she didn't know that Kanye would make an announcement at the show. What, do you have to do it in front of the cameras or something? I mean, these, these people live their life in front of the cameras. She spends most of her time wearing big, dark glasses. Although, actually, that was a bit Peter Andre. I turned on the television in the early hours of this morning and trying to find something that was remotely interesting was a little bit difficult. So um, I always have a shave watching television and catching up on the news. So I've got the news bits on the right-hand side and I've got a picture on the other side. And then I was flipping around and eventually managed to find, much to my deep embarrassment, Peter Andre. Still hawking his uh, his carcass around the uh, lower regions of NAFO Television, ITV2. Peter Andre, his life. His life involves the cameras everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. At one point, Peter was jetting off to America. But, of course, they said, as usual, Pete's running late. Of course he is. He's had to have done his hair and he faffs it. He really rates himself. He really thinks he's good-looking. It's really embarrassing. His girlfriend's about 15, I think. And she's actually quite okay yar. She actually could have walked out of Made in Chelsea. She's a bit too good for him, but what, what they talk about... And she, also, she's intelligent. She's training to be a doctor. Peter Andre is a failed pop star, and we know he's a failed pop star because I got the rankings out earlier on. And I had to go through just to reassure myself that Peter Andre really was not doing as well as I thought. For example, in 92, and that's where we start with Peter Andre. I don't know what he was doing before then... I mean, he was he was nobody, really. He had Drive Me Crazy, Gimme Little Sign, and Funky Junkie. Oh, and Let's Get It On, Do You Want to Dance, featuring Eric Sebastian. This was, this was in 92. And um, 
None of, none of them chartered. Not one of those. Uh, Mysterious Girl didn't come along till 95. And it got to number two. Before that, he'd had another failure with To The Top. Turn It Up featuring Ollie J got to number 64. So we're not looking very good. Then we got Mysterious Girl, and that was in 95. And that got to number two, which was great. The next single, called Only One, charted at 16. The next one, Get On Down, featuring something called Past to Present, didn't chart at all. Uh, Flavour, featuring C, was a number one. I Feel You was a number one. And then it started going all pear-shaped again, I'm afraid, because the next one, Natural, uh, only got to number six. But we did have another number one. Can you guess what it was? I'll tell you in a moment. L.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Now, having survived, and believe you me, having, <clears throat> having worked in London for donkey's years, I've never known so many roads closed. The atmosphere around Leicester Square is not brilliant, I have to tell you. Little pockets of youths gathering by places, lots of drunk girls, and it's not people face down in the gutter. I mean, it's just awful. We'll talk to the ambulance service. It's been one of their busiest nights ever. And it's all alcohol. Uh, Peter Andre did quite well, was with other people, I've noticed. Um, lonely uh, got to number six. All Night All Right, featuring Warren G and Coolio, 16. Kiss the Girl, 9. And then Mysterious Girl comes back again in 2004, featuring uh, Bubbler Ranks. And that got to number one. Insania got to number three, which is uh, vastly uh, a, a big improvement on the revolting perfume that he brought out. I think called Insania, which was remaindered in the pound shop, and even then people didn't want it. Uh, the Right Way came up in 2004 at 14. A Whole New World... Katie Price, you remember that one? A whole new world. That was Aladdin. They decided very unwisely to release an album of singles, which is a bit embarrassing, seeing neither of them could sing. Least of all her. She couldn't sing for toffee. Flat as a pancake, she was. A whole new world. It was really embarrassing. <clears throat> I know. Didn't She got to number 12 with that one, so that didn't do very well. Behind Closed Doors got to number four. Unconditional. So is this the first time Unconditional has been out? Yes, first time Unconditional has been out. And it got to number... 50. So that was considered a failure, I'm afraid. I Can't Make You Love Me really didn't do anything at all, didn't even chart. Defender got to 14, and his last single in 2011, Perfect Night, got to number 48. And yet, strangely, and for some inexplicable reason, Peter Andre seems to think he's some sort of pop star. And so at the age of 1,450, or whatever he is now, I mean, he's, he's old as the hills, he trots off to New York. But in the meantime, we have the cameras with us, of course, and just to add the realism to the programme, because Peter Andre loves his kids, he decides to take them with him to the airport, and then we go through this charade, or as I call it, the bad acting, where the kids go, don't go, daddy, don't Why didn't you leave him at home? Why are you put yourself through that? Because the answer is they're making a TV programme. And the more you see the kids crying, even though Peter loves them, the better of television it makes. And so they show you the kids crying. You know, and that's why I, I, I'm at slight odds as to how much of their life he's showing you. We see them walking around in states of undress. It's not very healthy to look at other people's kids in states of undress. But he, he sticks them up on the television. Uh, his girlfriend's there. He loves his girlfriend. You know, in fact, Peter seems to love just about everybody in the world, which is a bit dreary, I'm afraid. Um, but he does turn up with the biggest entourage. Every time he does a show, there's sort of a big entourage with him because Pete can't go anywhere by himself. And so he decides at one point, you know, because they have to find things for him to do. Because otherwise he just sits at home combing his hair and looking into the mirror. It's, and that, that's not very entertaining television. So he decides he's going to take out his sister-in-law and his girlfriend and they're going to go to a nightclub. 
They're going to have a night out. So Pete spends all this time tarting himself up. He doesn't actually say anything to the girls. The girls are just there for, obviously, for a bit of, you know, a bit of extra sort of moral support. And, of course, the whole thing in the nightclub turns into a, a Peter Andre love fest where all the people want their pictures taken with him. And I'm thinking, what a big-headed so-and-so you are. Don't you just want to go out quiet for dinner? Can't you do something privately? Does your entire life have to be held in the spotlight? Because it's bloody boring. It's so dreary. You take the family out and the film crew, and they go, oh, it's Peter Andre in a nightclub. I'll be the first out the blooming door. You've let him in here. What for? He's way too old. Way too old to be in a nightclub. And so he does that. He jets off to America, where he's doing something. He's going, oh, this is... This is going to be really... Uh, th- there's a couple of big hit singles on here. I thought, no, dear, the last one was 48. It's, there's, no, there's no pop career for you. But the reason is, he makes so much money doing his other little bits and pieces that he can afford to indulge like a hobby. The hobby is singing and then going out there and doing a few concerts. But I've never spoken to anybody who's ever been to one. And they never show you, I've noticed, on the programme, they never show you the actual concerts. They just show you little tiny clips, because apparently they're not, not very you know, by the time he's done Mysterious Girl and Insane You and a few other dreary dirges, that's about it. Then people go home and he'll probably bring the kids out on stage because Peter Andre loves his kids. But all in all, the programme just wasn't... It just didn't stand up for me. There was nothing in it. It was as boring as watching Jordan's life. There was nothing in Jordan's life that was, that was any different from anybody else's. She gets up, she goes to the toilet, she does a bit of shopping, she has her nails done, she goes home again and that was it. That was Jordan's day. Peter Andre's, they had to, you know, oh, we'd like to go to a nightclub, go to a nightclub. And all it was was people going, we love you, Peter, we love you, Peter. I think what they were really saying, but they, they bleeped that bit out, was we feel very sorry that you had to have sex with Jordan. I think that's what they were actually saying. You know, couldn't you pick somebody attractive? But let's face it, you know, if you're going to launch a career, launch it on her back or front or wherever they die. I don't know how these things work nowadays. <clears throat> and he's had a very bad year with his brother. That's nothing to do with it. He put him on the programme as well, because Peter Andre sells every aspect of his life, and he sells it for money. He doesn't, he's not doing this for charity. This is his business. His business is selling every aspect of his life. Nothing is private in Peter Andre's life. There is no such thing as privacy. You know, if, you know I mean, yesterday <coughs> we had his dogs outside the gate harassing another dog, because the other dog was on a lead and Peter Andre's weren't. So this poor elderly man who lives in this village, who quite clearly doesn't know Peter Andre. And, uh, and he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Chris. And he was about 65, 70. And Peter went, I'm, I'm Peter. And in the end, this man had to pick up Peter's dogs to take them back to the gate, because Peter Andre couldn't do it. Then the dogs start eating a cake. Oh, he said they're going to be going to the toilet, so he lifts them and puts them outside. This is all fit, you know, and you think, what a boring twerp of a life you've got. You know, I mean, at least you could have run the old man over in the car to make it marginally more interesting. You know, except, I mean, it was just... It was just awful. It was just rubbish. They must look around for things for him to do. He's got this big house, but it's it's quite clearly... I don't think he owns it. I think it's rented. I have a horrible feeling it's rented. Something in the back of my mind says rent. Because it doesn't look like the sort of house you'd buy. And it's just got the film crew everywhere. So every time you see Peter Andre, he's, he, Peter's running late for the airport. And yet, when he turns around, he's got his microphone pack in the back pocket, the mic's on, and he's got somebody following him with a microphone. Boom, and they follow him to America. It's quite tedious, because he can't sing for toffee. He cannot say... He very unwisely allowed them to record him while he was laying down some vocals for this album. It was rubbish. It was... I mean, you know, what can I tell you? I don't sing either. There again, I don't pretend I sing. Well, I sing carols, you know, but then I'm I'm more of a spiritual person, ladies and gentlemen. I'm more into into sacred music than listening to the old dirge, which is turned up by Peter Andre. But I mean, he's allowed to have his little fantasy, but it's because he sells every aspect of his life for money. 
<clears throat> if it was just a documentary on Peter Andre, fly on the wall thing, that'd be completely different. But this is so so sanitised and so naff. And as I say, is it normal to let people see your children running around half naked? Is that normal? Not in our family. Made in Chelsea's Jamie Lang <clears throat> has got a new girlfriend, and uh, they're on holiday. Uh, she's a teenage schoolgirl. Although she's quite a well-developed teenage schoolgirl, it has to be said. And at least they're on holiday together. And uh, Jamie's here. He's uh, 23 and she's 18. They're in Barbados. It's obviously the place to go to, Barbados, isn't it? At the moment, they're all over there. And so they seem fairly happy. She comes from Stanmore. <clears throat> and uh, that's good. Apparently, uh, they say here that she is... Ah, it, does, oh, it just says wealthy schoolgirl Tara Keeney. Well, I've never heard of her. Wealthy schoolgirl. It's always a good thing, isn't it? Who is that? It's a wealthy schoolgirl. Right. Checks more of your uh, texts and emails this morning. Oh, actually, I knew there was something. I'd, that's why I missed it, wasn't I? I missed this little bit here. Uh, the cure for the cough this morning, says June, turmeric. Turmeric. OK, that is the cure for the cough. And I'll tell you what it is. Yes. Oh, God, yes. If you've had this cough for ages, you get some manuka honey. And uh, you do half a spoon of manuka honey uh, in about, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a cup of hot water. Stir in the manuka honey and then a quarter of a teaspoon, quarter of a teaspoon of turmeric, turmeric powder in there. Guaranteed cough goes immediately. I guarantee it. And I've never known anything work so quick. And we found it out because listeners had written in saying, have you tried turmeric? And then Mr Shah my chemist from Goods, said to me, turmeric, Steve, you need turmeric. And I said, oh, how many Indian people do you hear coughing? Nobody. Nobody at all. Nobody coughs because everybody's using turmeric. People have known about it for donkey's years. I've only just cottoned on at the age of 38, <coughs> nine. And uh, I said, just a quarter, don't need any more, quarter of a teaspoon in the hot water with the honey because it doesn't taste brilliant. And then drink that down and it, it kind of works. As you can tell this morning, I haven't had any. I should have had some this morning, because, but I, I have got my turmeric upstairs, but it's lovely. It's LBC 97.3, time now 7.30. News headlines with Jim Diamond. Thank you, Steve. London's ambulance service say they can only take emergency calls. They've had nearly 3,000 since midnight, and Met Police have made 96 arrests. Well, it comes as celebrations are held around the world to mark the start of 2013. 30 tonnes of fireworks were let off over the River Thames and London Eye, and there have been huge displays in Edinburgh and in cities around the world. The Senate's approved a last-minute deal to... Av- Morning, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Still to come, we celebrate the birthday of the internet. The internet is 30 years old. My God, it's moved on a pace. I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have computers, when we didn't have anything at all, it was all written on bits of paper, or you went to a reference library and you just picked up a book. Nowadays, the touch of a button, your screen bursts into life and you can find out anything about anybody in a matter of seconds. The one thing you can find out are the statistics uh, for the, uh, the ambulance service. Uh, still running now, still busy, still busy out there. I think possibly one of the busiest nights that they've ever had. I think something like between midnight and 5am this morning, they've done over 2,600 calls. To, I wonder how many of those were absolutely genuine emergency and how many were alcohol-related. Joining us now is the Assistant Chief Ambulance Officer in charge of the ambulance service last night, John Pooley. John, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yes, and to you as well. I mean, not, not exactly your best New Year, it has to be said. <laughs> Possibly the busiest one, is it? It's been exceptionally busy. It was very busy last night. And it hasn't stopped. We're still busy now. 
Um, we're still receiving a high volume of calls into our control room. And you're right, we took nearly 3,000 calls in our control room last night, a very, very busy time. How many of these people, John, are, are genuinely people seeking an ambulance or are they just people who are drunk? Well, there's an awful lot of the calls we had last night were obviously were alcohol-related. Um, when, an, when an emergency call comes into our control room, we do, we do vet those calls and we do try to... Um, get those calls uh, to other providers that actually aren't necessary for an ambulance. But we do send ambulances and they do arrive at calls that actually aren't necessary. Mm. The difficulty for that is, and on a night like last night and like we're having now, is we have to keep our ambulances for those people whose lives are in danger. And, of course, if the ambulance is out dealing with somebody who is dialed in appropriately, then that ambulance isn't available for somebody whose life is in danger. Yes. So, you know, the message would be to Londoners, please think very, very seriously before you call us. Is it an emergency or is there another way I can get treatment? Now, NHS Direct or your pharmacy or all mm. those services are still there. Just because it's a bank holiday doesn't mean they're there. Um, you know, you can get advice in lots of other places, mm. but the ambulance service is not there just as a transport service. It's there for those people whose lives are in danger. To be honest with you, every single year, I mean, we, we talk about this every year, it's always alcohol-related. It's very rarely not alcohol-related. And you feel after a while, maybe sort of pubs and all the, the big industries that sell copious amounts of alcohol to people who are quite clearly inebriated should be contributing to the cost of the ambulance service. Well, I think the, the, the problem is, is yes, they are alcohol-related, but those people are still vulnerable and those people even though they've been drinking do have medical conditions people do have heart attacks and that's very difficult to tell on the telephone and it's very difficult to tell until we actually get to that patient um, so it is really important that that yes there there are alcohol related but the ones that we take to hospital do need medical treatment and that's what the ambulance service is there for it's amazing that uh, it, it's really busy. It's between one and three, isn't it? 635 calls, 635 calls each hour. That, that's quite a busy time as people presumably have started sort of coming down. Well, it is. Of course, you get the central London celebrations, you get the fireworks, you get people all together, and then people have to start to make their way home. It's cold. It, it, you know, it, it, there's massive great queues for, for public transport. Mm. Um, it, it's difficult for people, and those, those, those people have been quite, uh, do get quite vulnerable at that, you know, that temperature. Um, and it is very, very difficult. But uh, as normal on New Year's Eve, it's gone on. I don't think uh, we'll see the, the call rate drop off in our control room much before midday today. Good God. So it is still running quite high. You know, so it is really important that people really think very seriously. At the moment, if you ring us and our control room staff vet your call and determine that it's not appropriate or it's not an emergency, you're not likely to get an ambulance today. We will, we will send you to another provider. It's not likely you'll get an ambulance. And the other message is that people do think is they think just because you arrive, arrive at hospital and ambulance doesn't mean to see you get seen any quicker. No, no, exactly. So it really doesn't help by calling an ambulance. That's not what we're there for. Why is it worse this year, John? I don't I, I think it's just busy and it's getting busy as, as, as life goes on, I, as, the, as the years go on. It's a busier society. Um, uh, it's, it's just been an exceptionally busy night. I think what happened is, is it rained and it got very wet mm. and then you know, people thought twice about going out and then, then we got the weather forecast, the rain stopped, it actually got quite a nice evening. Mm. And then, of course, the temperature dropped as well, which didn't help. So the weather conditions haven't helped along with the... Uh, 
And, of course, the fireworks, good 11 minutes of fireworks, fantastic time. And, of course, we want the public to have a great time, but we want to have a time that's safe. Um, and so it's about thinking and planning ahead before people do those sorts of things. But I think it's just busy this year because it was a, a fantastic celebration in right. central London. How, how many crews have you got out there tonight? Uh, we've got lots of extra crews on, and in fact, we're working with our partners, the St John Ambulance, the voluntary. We've got Red Cross out there. We've got all the voluntary societies out there, and we've got lots more vehicles and people than we would normally have. Yeah. I mean, in the central London area, the, the event itself, I mean, we treated 506 patients and took 49 of those to the hospital. So we actually treated an awful lot in, in the treatment centres that we were running with St John. So we've, got, we've had lots of crews on booze buses, the usual stuff we have for weekend working, but obviously lots more of them because of what the night was. But the advice is, if it's not an emergency, think about it carefully. Obviously, your judgment's going to be a little bit cloudy, but think about it. If it's not an emergency, they won't send an ambulance. It's as simple as that. That's correct, yes. John, thank you for talking to us. Fantastic, thank Take you. Take care, thank you. John Pooley, who's the Assistant Chief Ambulance Officer in charge of the ambulance service last night, he reckons it will go all the way through till midday today. It's only 20 to 8. 20 to 8 in the morning and they've been working. They're going to be exhausted by the end of it. So think beforehand. There are lots of other places you can go to. You can call NHS Direct. You can go to your local A&E. Because, as he says, you think if you turn up to hospital in an ambulance, you're going to get seen immediately. They're going to put you into A&E. That's all they're going to do with you. They're going to take you and put you into A&E, unless it's something very serious. But uh, most of them are alcohol-related. In other words, it's people sobering up. I mean, when I walked down here... This morning, because we couldn't get anywhere near the square because of all the road closures, uh, the amount of drunks leaning up against buildings, oh, it was just disgusting. I mean, one of our news teams said he saw things that, I mean, really opened his eyes. He said there was one couple actually making love against a wall. Together. I ask you, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know, it's just... just although they might have been the couple I saw arguing, because there's always going to be an argument, isn't there? And it's always foul men... And in this particular case, it was a man shouting at his girlfriend. You know the next thing he's going to hit her, because they're like that. And then there was some man arguing with somebody from the subway. Why, why ain't you open, he goes. Why ain't you open? It's, and I, I wanted to say to him, it's, why aren't you open? But I, mean, I didn't want to start nitpicking, because I had the mince pies. And I thought, once he sees my mince pies, that'll be it. You know? I shall find myself you know, taken off to some strange foreign land, I shouldn't wonder, and forced into slavery. But uh, I hung on to my mince pies, managed to get into the building safely. But people argue over the stupidest things, and it's all drink. It's all drink. It doesn't come down to it. It's either drink drugs or people who are on medication who haven't looked after themselves properly, because that is the danger. So if they, th- if they think it's going to go through to about midday today, they're exceptionally busy. So uh, well done to them. <clears throat> 18 minutes to 8. What day of the week is it now? I don't even know what day of the week it is, because it's today's Tuesday, because we haven't got the papers in yet, because they can't get anywhere near the square. Uh, but th- they were all right because they managed to get them up to Sky. So every time Sky do a thing, I can go, oh, on the front page of the so-and-so, I could perhaps do my newspaper review. If I, if I ask the nice people at Sky, can you hold the papers up to the camera and I'll read them from here? We can, we can sort of cheat a little bit on the newspaper review. But as soon as they come in, Gary's, Gary's threatened, sorry, told us that he's going to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to let us know because you feel a bit lost without the papers on a Tuesday and I can't imagine what the stories will be. It'll be the Kim Kardashian, the fact she's pregnant. You know, she's been going out with him really not very long at all. Not very long at all. And then the papers will also be full of that dreary uh, Jennifer Metcalf and her ex, who is Sylvain Longchambon. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And uh, he's dumped her. Sylvain has dumped Jennifer. Uh, by phone, after he's developed feelings for his new dance partner, Samir Gardia, who comes with a track record and a history. 
She's been around the block about 500 times, I have to tell you. And uh, she has a child. In fact, they both dumped their former partners so that Samir could, get, could go out with somebody else. And now she's been going out with this guy, Sylvain, since December. Since December. that This, this December just gone uh, because they're dancing on ice together. And now they've developed feelings. They're very floozy-like, aren't they, in show? Have you noticed? They're very free and easy. Very free. Oh, they've got, got the papers in. Whee! Oh. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's the sum of the front pages. OK. So I've got a picture of Jennifer Metcalf, the only publicity she's ever had since she left the dancing programme. Nobody really cares, actually. And so that's overshadowed the programme because that's going to start this Saturday on ITV, the Dancing with the Stars, you know, the programme where 90% of them are people who aren't working at all at the moment. And, uh, and the other percentage... Yeah, the Ice One starts on Saturday. Starts on Saturday. And then very shortly, you've got the uh, the um, the Splash One, the Tom Daly programme, where Tom Daly teaches celebrities in inverted commas. One of them is that num- numbskull from The Only Way is Essex, Joey Essex, the thickest man on television. I mean, talk about dumb. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping... That, uh, that he can't dive. So they're bringing all these people in and they'll teach them to dive. And then the programme is very unwisely hosted by... Well, Gabby Logan should be OK. She'll be, the hopefully, the professional side of it. But they've got Vernon Kay on it. And I've said time and time again, he can't, well, A, can't dive, B, he can't present. It's all very disappointing, I'm afraid. Very, very disappointing. Looking at the front pages of the papers very quickly, just before I give you a quick time check and remind you that, yes, you've still got that throbbing head and, yes, you still feel a bit sick. And every time you close your eyes, the room does really move around, I'm afraid. Uh, The Daily Mail bemoans what it calls a sick Channel 4 comedy for making drunken jokes about the Queen. Can you do that? Can you do that? Make jokes about the Queen? Are there things that you can't make jokes about? Are there things that you can't make jokes about? I mean, in this day and age, who did? Frankie Boyle. Yes, but Frankie Boyle has never been fined over anything. In fact, he actually took one of the papers to court for suggesting he'd been dropped from something and won. And then I was, the only thing I found offensive, and I said it yesterday, I'll say it again today, is Keith Lemon. The filth language that emanates from that man's mouth in front of, you know, people like... And well, I, I know it's obviously been approved, because otherwise they wouldn't be on the programme. But Fer, Fern Cotton and Holly Willoughby, listening to the filth emanates from his mouth, I find absolutely unbelievable. I'm surprised Holly Willoughby's parents... Perhaps her parents like that kind of stuff. I find it absolutely horrific. It's the biggest part of bilge I've ever seen on the television. How ITV ever, ever put that stuff on there, I've got no idea. Uh, Kim Kardashian's pictured in The Sun, expecting a baby with Kanye West. Oh, whoopee-doo, woman has baby. And according to the Daily Star... Prince Harry is going to be returning from Afghanistan in the next few days. Why? Has he been out there and got the publicity? I mean, is everybody else coming home, or is it just, just Prince Harry? Because apparently he's just an ordinary person. He's sort of queued up and got his Brussels sprouts and his uh, food. I should imagine it's probably marginally better than he'd be getting at Sandringham. And they're going to be talking as well about the 20-mile-an-hour speed limits becoming increasingly common. Well, have you tried doing 20 miles an hour? It's the, it's the biggest waste of space in the country. I know... 20 miles, I mean, that's about the speed we were doing this morning, trying to get into London. You feel like saying to all the policemen, I'm only going to work. I just want to go into work. You know, it's not complicated. Can we just drive through the middle of them, please? No, you can't, sir. You have to keep going round and round and round and round. 14 minutes to eight. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Most of you say, oh, my head, my head. Of course, the rest of us round here, yeah, we're 100% fine. Poor old uh, Brian in Croydon. Uh, he says, you seem to know a lot about Peter Andre. Uh, yeah. Uh, because he's got a programme on the television, Brian. I know you're a bit simple. It's not your fault. And no, by the way, is K-N-O-W. Bit daft, isn't it, if you can't spell? Uh, 84850, Steve 
at lbc.co.uk. It's amazing how many people hate Peter Andre. Elizabeth in Clapham says, Thank God for Peter, as you would not have a show. Right. Are you on medication or something? Are you, are you one of these bewildered old saddos who's on something? No, it's, it's not... Uh, I, I would have a show, actually. In fact, I had a show long before Peter Andre. Peter Andre only actually got back a show after he went out with Jordan. Because his career was on the skids, if you remember. If you've listened to the programme, and I'm sure you have, Elizabeth, you sound to me like a bloke who's listened quite a lot. Uh, sorry, I'm not saying you're a bloke, but, I mean, you, know, you, might, you might be in a previous life, probably. And uh, before that, he was working in his brother's gin in Larnaca. He, didn't, he, couldn't get, uh, he couldn't get arrested, I'm afraid, for love nor money. Luckily, he went into the jungle, because they always pick people who are down. And, uh, and he met Jordan, and luckily, that resurrected a career which was, which was going nowhere. So I know lots of things, because I'm educated. I, f- I follow the world of showbiz, because it makes me a very, very good living. Lynn says, I did watch the celebrations on TV, and it did look like good fun, but I think I enjoyed it all the more watching from afar whilst munching on mince pies. Oh, it's always better to watch it from the outside. Always better from the outside in. Much, much nicer. Much, much nicer. 84850, uk, And, uh, and, oh, blimey, Ali's just sent me one. Ali's my old driver. I said, you know, I must be psychic. Because, Ali, it was two days ago, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what you're doing now. Because most mornings, Ali would pick me up. He had a very flash car. In fact, he's had some very flash cars. And he would pick me up, and then the cab company that we had merged with another one, and all my old drivers disappeared. You know, I knew all... I don't know anybody now. I don't know anybody who comes in. And I was thinking about Ali the other day, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder what he's doing now, because he had, he had a problem with a car. I can't go into what the problem was with the car, but he had this lovely car, and it turned out that it wasn't what we thought it was. And so every day he'd fill me in on what was going on, and he'd drop me off here and he'd say, you have a nice day, Steve. He's a young guy, big family, big family. For a young guy, very big family. And, uh, and he just said, it's been a while since we spoke. Change of companies just stopped me from picking you up in the morning. Uh, listen to you every morning. Love your show. He says, uh, all the best for the new year. My old driver, Ali. Old is something he isn't. He was very young. Very, very young indeed. So I hope you and the family have a, have a good new year. He actually would have got me in this morning. He, he would have actually bluffed his way in. He'd be that sort of person. I bet he's probably working, picking up all the celebrities for the Dancing on Ice. Because he used to do that before. He's, he's, he's done all the celebrities for the reality shows. So, but he's very discreet. Very discreet. Sue says, why not find the drunks? Well, they don't even know where they are. I mean, let's face it, if they pick up the telephone and they, and they call 999, they're, they're as stupid as people who f- pick up the telephone and go, oh, is, is that the police? My, my, my takeaway's not arrived. Can you find out why? I mean, there are people that stupid. That's the embarrassing thing about this day and age, that there are some really thick people out there. Like Brian in Croydon, who's a bit dim. You know, he can't help it. He's just thick. He can't spell. Obviously, didn't have an education or anything like that. It's a shame the tube driver striking on Boxing Day, says Bridget, didn't have the attitude to their jobs that the ambulance officer has just had now. They had to work full stretch due to people's self-inflicted alcohol abuse. London isn't the place to have a heart attack on New Year's Eve. Well done, the paramedics. Yeah, they're out there. They do it. They don't ask... Have you ever heard of the ambulance? We're going on strike. We want four times the amount of money. (laughs) Bring in driverless trains. I've said that. Bring in driverless trains. Let's get rid of the drivers. We don't need you. In this, in this day of automation, you can have it. They've done it on the Docklands Light Railway. Why not? Sasha says, Happy New Year to you, Stephen, all at LBC. That's all of the, all the backstage crew and all the people there. The, the little people, ladies and gentlemen. Some are very tiny, two or three inches tall, very small people. And they work here. They're like the borrowers, putting programmes together. And, you know, Jess getting very worried this morning. I don't know where Steve is. I don't know where he is. He's not arrived in. You know, and she... And, 
I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm always here before everybody else, because that's just the time. As I say, when we set off at the time we did this morning, I, I, thought, I, I didn't think at the time, but with hindsight, I should have taken sandwiches. And uh, she says, I, I love it when you talk about Peter Andre, the Beckhams, Toss Daly. My friends and I watched the Made in Chelsea, end of uh, year reunion last night. And uh, hideous in its cringe-making-ness. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's such a good programme, actually. Such a good programme. Uh, Claire says, hope you and yours have a lovely, uh, a lovely 2013. God, we're into 2013, aren't we? 2013. Oh, 84850 Uh We'll weave everything in on the programme this morning. Even one or two stupid people. We can always, you know, because they're lonely. And if they want weaving in, we can weave them in. Uh, Amanda says, I'm so glad you made it into the studio, as the start of the year would have been very disappointing. Would have been very disappointing. Well, for me, I was getting very frustrated. In the end, I walked. My little carrier bags, praying I wasn't going to be mugged by anybody. You know, as you do. Because it's, the, the worst thing is that when you, when you sort of are walking through a pile of drunk people, you kind of feel a bit vulnerable. You kind of feel as though you're the only one. You think, oh dear, now I know what it's like. Yeah, we're just scared of people lurch. I mean, there was one bloke lurched up towards me, carrying a little carrier bag, and he looked, I thought, he's going to be sick, he's going to be sick. And you think, no, don't come anywhere near me. And I'm, I'm quite good at weaving in and out of people. Quite good, especially when I'm sober. When I'm sober, I'm very, very good at doing things like that. It's just, it doesn't drink do funny things to people. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit disappointing, really. I, f- I feel sorry for a lot of people that can't handle their drink. I mean, I can go out and have a few, uh, a few drinks and have a very, very nice time. And I don't, I don't feel the need to, uh, to sort of just lurch. And some of these people, they don't appear to have any friends. They're, always, they're either in ones or twos. And you think, oh, so they're sad, lonely drunks as well. And I feel a bit, I feel a bit disappointed for them. They've had to stand in a bar all night by themselves and they haven't got any friends at all there. And so they're there in this bar. They get themselves drunk and then they walk out on the way home. They can't get a taxi because they haven't got any money. They can't actually do anything at all, so they just slump up against a bus stop, and then they become the target for muggers and all sorts of horrible people out there on the streets. Because there's always going to be somebody who's going to take advantage of you, and that's that's the worst thing, as far as I'm concerned. I always think it's I always think it's something terribly, terribly sad when people are out by themselves drinking in London. It's not not the best place, not the best place. Let me just uh, bring my. Uh, emails up to date. Oh, crikey, we've got loads of them. Loads of them here. Actually, all the people <coughs> who've picked up my uh, my cards this morning. I sent these cards out to people. Uh, Nadine says, uh, thank you for making me laugh first thing in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. Who, who's actually picked up my, my Christmas cards? Oh, Graham Cole has picked his up. You know Graham Cole, ex of the bill? He's up there in Norfolk now. Norfolk. And uh, he's having a nice time. Noreen has picked hers up as well, and everybody up early this morning. And oh, Noreen picked up two, because I, I found two cards. I know, I sent two cards, because they were so pretty. They were so, so pretty. And John Warrington has picked his up as well. He's up early, considering he was working last night. He's very well. Actually, on second thoughts, if he's up now, he can't have gone to bed. I shouldn't imagine they finished much before six this morning. No, let's not. Let's not phone him. And uh, Noreen says, I'll be with you later. Oh, that's quite nice. That was sent at oh, that was sent at four minutes past uh, nine minutes past four. Sorry, and another one here. Who picked up late? Oh, Anthony Davis has picked his up. I will send to Anthony Davis. I have to. He's been away. Yes, well, he might still be away. I think he takes his computer everywhere. And uh, Debbie King says, any chance of having John Warrington, Paul Allen on the line when you guys interacted to Radio Gold? Sadly not. No, sadly not. 
But uh, they, they, they are around. Actually, we're all getting together on the 18th. We're all having dinner at Paul's house. There's a big, big, big get-together, which is lovely. Colin says, I wish you a happy and sprout-filled New Year. <laughs> yes, more sprouts. More, more sprouts, please. More sprouts. And uh, who's this? It's, uh, oh, David Miles. Driving home from work and want to wish you a happy New Year. That's from the Mileses. Thank you, Claudia, as well. I wish you all a very, very happy New Year. It's nice to wish people a happy New Year. I was doing it last night, but I was just doing it... Well, not last night. I was doing it early evening before I went to bed. Uh, Una's in bed with a sprained ankle following last night's debauchery. I've got Aunt Bessie's chips on me. You're making me laugh about Peter Andre. It's hilarious. I know. It's, it's so sad, isn't it? It's so sad. Somebody's, some, that's what's the, the funny person, you know, the doolally person who wrote it. If it wasn't for Peter Andre, you wouldn't have a programme. You think, well, you know, God in heaven, there's some mentally ill people out there, ladies and gentlemen, especially on New Year's Day. Uh, Gary says, hope to see you to show this year, and uh, Happy New Year to Noreen, Jan, Bridget and Dawn. Yeah, Jan, not very well at the moment, but uh, is OK at the moment. And uh, one here that says, that last year was one of the worst I've lived through. Yes, a lot of, you know, a lot of people had a bad year last year. A lot of people had bad years. They really did. There's nothing, you know, I think it goes in fits and starts. I've been told that this year is going to be a really, really good year for me. Really good year. I don't, but I don't know really what a good year is, because I don't have bad years. You know, I, ha- I don't think I've ever had a... How sickening is that? I've never had a bad year, because I've always been employed. I've always had something going on, you know, so I can't think of anything that would make it a bad year. I mean, touch wood so far that we haven't got any wood in the studio. It's all pre-pressed for mica. Touch my head. Does that make it... <gasps> And we're not doing resolutions. I couldn't care less about your resolution. If you're too fat, it's your own problem. If you're still smoking, you're weak. And if you're still drinking, well, again, you're weak still. I can't do anything about it. If you want to do a New Year resolution, do it privately. And that way, you can so you can have your New Year resolution. And if you, if you do it, you do it. If you don't do it, who cares? Nobody's going nobody's gonna to pull you over the tiles over that one. Take a short break for the news at 8. Back to the other side. <coughs> More of your texts and emails and hopefully a better voice in a second. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Happy New Year. <coughs> it sounded as good as I thought it was going to. I'd rehearsed that only a second ago. It sounded much better. Oh, look, I'm still traumatised through the driving in and not actually having access to get into work. Most frightening. I seriously thought when we came up into Piccadilly, which we didn't get as far as Piccadilly, it was, it was all blocked off at the top uh, by Admiralty Arch. I remember thinking, something happened. Is there, a, is there a lockdown? Has there been a terrorist threat or something like that? Uh, because every road that we tried to get round, all blocked off, all closed off with police all over the place. Now they're opened up, but there's a lot of road closures because today is a New Year's Day parade, as you know. And there will be thousands of performers, mainly from America. Out on the streets. There'll be some Brits as well. They're going to use the uh, the game players, aren't they? All the people who helped at the games, they're all going to be there as well. And there's going to be some big Macy's balloons, you know, the really big ones, the cartoon characters. They'll have the marching bands. I know all of this because uh, I work with Bob Bone over about ten years, I think. I hosted the uh, New Year's Eve concerts, which we held at Central Hall uh, Westminster, the Methodist Central Hall, Morning Stewart. And... Uh, and we love them. We had some really, really good ones. We had some really, really good bands. And the marching band. So if you want to come into town today, you need to be in town and get a good position by about 10, 11. What I'll do, I'll find out over the next hour what the route is, and I'll tell you the best vantage point so that you get to see them. Because the marching bands are brilliant. 
You know, there'll be there'll be anywhere between a hundred and six hundred people in each marching band, and they're, they're they're all kids, young people. Kids sounds dreadful, doesn't it? Little mini goats all out there playing instruments, and they're really meh, they're very very good. They're I mean they are very very good in America. Unlike here, it's considered the the highest honour to be in the school marching band, and you've only got to go online to YouTube and type in American marching band, and you'll see some cracking marching bands. Jess says I felt like a really good cry at one point in my journey, and it was terrible. It was awful, wasn't it? It was so depressing. I sat in the back of the car, getting more stressed by the minute. I mean, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, uh, and in the end, I said, "Oh, just drop me here. I'll walk." And it was then that you dum 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 dum, and just horrible people. Just horrible people out on the street. Don't come anywhere near me. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to be your friend. Go away. Go away. I'm sober. I can do you serious damage. I've got a butterfly belt in Kung Fu. You must be very careful of me. I could be a dangerous person in your life. 84850, uk, And uh, Louise is in Staines. Uh, another one here. And uh, this is uh, one here. This is... Uh, I wish you the very best for 2013... Which is lovely. Thank you very much indeed for that one, which is great. Another one here. Uh, oh, this is from poor sad Rob. Where's little Rob from? Oh, God, dear. You're a little bit sad, aren't you, really? He said, how about presenterless radio? Oh, Popsy, you'd have nobody to write to, would you? Who would you be able to write to? You'd have to write to nobody. Oh, dear. He's, um, it's, uh, Rob is, a, oh, dear, he's, he's got a lot of chips on his shoulder. Poor little Rob has. <laughs> you poor saddo, aren't you, really? Uh, another one here from Andy and Zoe in Wellin, from uh, June, Phillies and Stephen. And um, 84850. Are we going to see you at the Queen's in Hornchurch, says Rich in Romford, in 2013? You might. You might. Uh, 84850. Uh, Steve says, I, I heard Nick's interviews with the celebs this morning. He's good. Is he taking over from you? No, all, they're, they're the ones he did for Classic FM. They were his classic FM interviews, as far as I remember. Because <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, he's got Catherine Jenkins on, who's a personal friend of mine. And, uh, and somebody said, oh, Catherine Jenkins on the radio. I thought, yeah, she's already been on with us. We've already got it. And then I suddenly realised that all these were nicks from, from, uh, from classic. <laughs> uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Because we always say, he'll always say to me, who are you talking to today? And I'll say, oh, I'm doing so-and-so, so-and-so. Who are you doing? He'll say, oh, I'm doing so-and-so. I go, oh, right. Perhaps we should have swapped interviews. But uh, we got some good ones. We got the Dustin Hoffman, and uh, we got the Billy Crystal, and we've got we got some great ones coming up. Great ones coming. Alfie Bowes coming up this coming. I suppose it'll be this coming weekend, won't it? Which is the sixth on Sunday. So Alfie Bow is this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Jason says Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Off to Box Hill for a hearty breakfast with all the other motorcyclists. Is this is this the cafe that everybody goes to? Is this the cafe? Uh, Ollie says, relentless night shift, but the first new year without a hangover in years and no traffic on the roads. Happy New Year, which is good. Yes, I mean, it's, you know, when, you, when you're sober, it's absolutely wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. Anderson Swiss Cottage. And uh, Raymond says, I'm a disabled older person and I spent Christmas on my own, feeling a little sad. I was on my own also for New Year's Eve. Would be a bit special if you could wish me a happy new year. No, you need to get some friends. It's, you, you, you can't just rely. Uh, you can't rely on things like that. You can't rely on things like that. You must have friends. Go, go and knock on your doors. Go and knock on your doors. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, 84850. 
There's one here that says, you sat in the back of the car. No wonder you're against the London taxi drive, taxi trade. I sit in the back of a black taxi as well. What, you have people sitting out the front with you? Who are you, Tony? Are you a bit stupid or something? You sit in the back of a black taxi, don't you? I get free rides in black cabs as well. He says, you sat in the back of the car. No wonder you're against the London taxi trade. Well, are you stupid? You're not all there in the brain department, are you? I mean, don't, don't make yourself out to be a complete and utter idiot, please. Very embarrassing for you. As I led to believe, unless, of course, you have a different system, you do sit in the back of a London black taxi, don't you? Perhaps, you, perhaps you've got one of those strange vehicles, love. Uh, another one here, which uh, is... Wait a minute, I've lost this one here. Come back, come back, come back. On the subject of DAB radio, thank you for your shows over Christmas, says Damien. They made my DAB radio well worth it. Back to work next week. Yeah, this has been the longest holiday, I think, that people have had. I don't think people have had such a long holiday. It's just, it seems to have gone for ages. This building, as far as I know, isn't even back to normal yet. There's various bits of people have come in. I think tomorrow people, people should be in. Right, this is the New Year's Day parade. OK, starts at 11.45, quarter to 12, on Piccadilly, at the junction with Barclay Street. That's just outside the Ritz Hotel, and finishes around 3pm on Parliament Street. It takes that long to go through. It'll take about three hours. Because, there, because there's so many of them. There's like 10,000 performers. So the parade route is Piccadilly, OK, heading down to Piccadilly Circus. Then it turns right and goes down Lower Regent Street, then Waterloo Place, then Pall Mall, then Coxburgh Street, Trafalgar Square, Whitehall and Parliament Street. And I think it should disperse around Parliament Square. When I was doing it, when I hosted it, it came from the other direction. It started Parliament Square with all the bands featured over the, uh, over the river and they would come in over the bridge. <clears throat> 10,000 performers representing 20 countries and more than half a million packing London's famous streets. We used to get them about 10 deep. People 10 deep on there, they'd stand there. because, And when I was, I'd always make sure... I'd always make sure that the bands stopped in front of us to perform for the crowd. Because whilst it's nice to see them, people want to see... And all the cheerleaders from UCLA, we used to have... Those used to go through in groups of 400. Groups of 400. Uh, Three hours of live satellite coverage. We'll cover the event. And so you'll have cheerleaders, clowns, acrobats, kites... And the stars of the show, the 33 stunning London borough entries from across the capital. So my advice is, I mean, depending, I mean, if, if you're down Parliament Square and you're down there, well, then, you know, you've got to wait till three o'clock. There won't be much going on. You'll have people in the middle of the road. There'll always be something to see, but you won't get the parade for, for quite a while. But if you want to go outside the Ritz or anywhere down Piccadilly, then you'll see it all coming in. I would think, you know, Fortman Masons, anywhere around Piccadilly Circus. It's got to go all the way around there. So into, into Lower Regent Street, Waterloo Place, Pall Mall. So it will turn right and go down and then along Pall Mall at the bottom. So you could wait along Pall Mall. That's fairly good. But just remember, if I, actually, Pall Mall would be better because then if you need to get away because there'll be so many people, you can then go down onto the Mall through, through the steps at the back which would actually be probably something better. Probably something better. I think that, that would definitely be the, uh, the way to go. That's where I would go. That's where I would go. People, people would recommend there. And then if you need to, you know, get away the other side, you could just turn right and, and nip down that way. Go into Victoria at the back, I suppose. Uh, and one from Julie who says, Oh, dear, I'm still waiting on a heating engineer, engineer boiler. The boiler stopped working yesterday. Oh, God, blimey. The worst time of year, isn't it, for your boiler to stop working? Uh, many New Year wishes to you all, says Jan. I'm now boring myself day 11 of being in bed. Thank you for your wishes and Noreen for her love. 
Uh, Queen's Theatre have a float in the parade today, so I shall watch it on television. Looking forward to another year of you and hope to see you very, very soon. Wish you better. Wish you better. So the Queen's Theatre's got a float. Woo, nice. Very, very nice. Uh, According to Paul, he says, you'll be glad to know that Peter Andre's TV epic finishes this week. I'm just hoping they don't commission a new series of The the Thing. I still question the way in which they featured his brother. Well, I think they had to. We didn't, we didn't, but again, Peter sells every aspect of his life. There's nothing, so if something goes on in his family, he's going to put it in the programme. He put the coffee shop in the programme. I called that product placement. I called that product placement. That's a case of advertising his own business online you know, on his own TV programme. I don't know how many people are watching it. I don't think it's that many at all. And the, the episode you just watched, but the one next week, which airs Wednesday, is, just, is even worse. It involves what happens when they hit a snag over the new album. Ah. Have you uh, seen Tom Daly's tweets today? For some reason, decided to spend New Year's Eve in, of all places, Cardiff. Not a happy bunny. The last one, definitely not going to Cardiff for New Year again. People say it's a good night out. I can assure you it ain't. I would have thought with a new TV show starting this weekend, not a smart move to alienate the Welsh audience, says Paul. Yes, I mean, I, the trouble is it's... A, Cardiff is a bit low rent. It really is. It's full of, full of chavs and things like that. We've seen all these drunken programmes on the television with sort of drunken Welsh birds falling all over the place, and it's, uh, it's a bit... It's a bit na- I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, you were talking about Mick Robertson from Magpie, and uh, I've sent you a picture... Then and now. Oh, right. What does he look like now, actually? Why don't open up? Picky, picky, picky. Oh, right. That can't be a now one. That must be a then, mustn't it? Or is that a then one? Wait a minute. This is a then. Oh, blimey. Is that what he looks like now? Good Lord. Douglas Ray, Jenny Hanley. She didn't look any different. And Mick Robertson. Good grief. Honestly, I love it when you see these pictures of people. God, but making, mind you, you can go to the LBC website and you can see pictures of all the presenters over the years, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, John says, I'd like to wish you a very happy new year. And do you remember Maliva Dean? I do, but we'll talk about her in a second, because the time now is quarter past eight. So that was always the best thing to do, to do the commentary for the New Year's Day parade, but make sure that you were position one. I own, We had... How many people did we do the commentary? We probably had about six. Six people doing the commentary in each place, and so all the speakers along the route, they would get that commentary from that particular person. So I did Parliament Square, and they gave me... A, like a building, two buildings, one on top of the other one. And I went upstairs and I could have my cup of coffee and my cigarettes because I was smoking. And a dreadful, pff, pff, dirty habit, dirty habit. And I saw a cab driver with a fag on the other day. That was a bit strange, but there you go. And uh, you, see, you see, Jess, Jess saw one as well, Jess. And a bus driver as well with a cigarette on. <gasps> and he was smoking. Yes, I've seen that before. I've seen more, more cab drivers smoking. Naughty, naughty. But, so anyway, so we'd, we'd, well, I'd have the first thing, and because there'd be 10,000 performers, they would say, you'd have to check the numbers coming through, because every float had a number on it. And sometimes they would bring them in, and it'd be the wrong order. So it's no good you just reading a little script, you know, and ad-libbing around it. And we used to get, oh, it was great fun. Great, great fun. So that was the best thing, because the moment the parade had passed you by, the council followed on, Westminster Council, picking up all the rubbish and doing all the barriers and everything else. So the last people in the parade got the council right behind them in those very attractive fluorescent flak jackets, which are so desirable nowadays. And so they do that, and then I could go home. But the people who were doing Up by Piccadilly Circus, which is now the beginning of the Newsday Parade, had to keep going for three hours. So I could be home, and they were still doing the commentary. 
But it's well worth it. Runs for ages. Anyway, going back to Malviva Dean. Milvina Dean says, John, the last person to survive the Titanic sinking. Uh, I think you contributed her care home costs a few years ago. Yes, we did. He said, come this April in Southampton, the British Titanic Society and Unilink buses will be naming a bus after her. Milvina was a very kind lady with a big heart. And by naming a bus after her, it'll help keep her memory alive. That's nice. That's nice. See, all the things we're learning about the Titanic. You know that they're building Titanic 2. It's being built in China. It's going to cost, goodness knows how much, a small fortune. But it's going to be identical to Titanic 1. It's going to have all the same stuff on it, so presumably it'll have a staircase. And presumably, because they've got all the plans, you can make it exactly as was. Which must be absolutely... I mean, I can't wait to see that. I really can't wait to see it. Tom in Canada's arrived home from a New Year's party with friends. He says, uh, I wish you a very happy New Year and I hope for many more to come. Oh, another year at least, I think. Uh, 84850, steve uk. Uh, Jan says, I'm staying in 2012 as I don't like 2013. It's unlucky for some as I went flying on a Friday. Uh, Nicola in Brighton's waking up with a hangover. Dave in Bermondsey. He says, morning, Treacle. Happy New Year. Please pass on my, uh, my New Year wishes to John Warrington. And... Uh, so I will pass it. He's up, actually, this morning. 84850, Steve, at uk. Poor little Rob with the chips on his shoulders. Oh, dear. It's not your fault, is it, love? You're a bit sad and lonely. Daryl says, suffering with a sore throat, but you're making me laugh, which is good news. And uh, Shahid in Slough says, did I you mention Stains? We went yesterday. The Two Rivers Shopping Centre. The Two Rivers Shopping Centre. And uh, on the way, we first noticed that Stains is now called Stains-upon-Thames. Yes, yes, it is called Stains-upon-Thames. And the river, river level is dangerously high. Uh-huh. Yes, and the reason, Rob, we didn't read it out is because you're stupid, I'm afraid. You know, it's because you're a bit simple, and I can't do anything about stupid people, OK? We can just sort of, you know, simple people. We can just sort of put you into the stupid box for stupid, lonely people. And you're in it with, uh, with a couple of others, actually, this morning, who I suspect are probably all you as well. Uh, Martin's in Enfield. He said, a Happy New Year to all the wonderful presenters at LBC, as well as James Max. What do you mean, as well as James Max? Should he not be included in that? I mean, let's face it, I mean, he's starting this morning. I mean, Porter, I, should ima- I, d- I shouldn't imagine he went and indulged last night. I should imagine he didn't... He did what? He's... He was on Sky, was he? Did somebody drop out again or something? How did that work? <laughs> That'll be twice over Christmas he's been on. <laughs> How's that? I must write and complain. Dear Managing Director of Sky, this is absolutely outrageous. This is twice this century we've seen James Max on the television. Now, to be honest with you, I know I've got widescreen, but I can't encompass all of his body. <laughs> If he's sitting. He has put on a lot of weight, though. I don't care what anybody says. He's definitely put on the weight. Definitely. I think he's... Not on, Sky does well tomorrow morning. There must be a lot of illness going through the building, I should imagine. Bless his heart. <laughs> uh, Lynn says, I love you. Long may you continue. Thank you very much. Well, at least for another year. At least for another year, which is wonderful. And uh, wait a minute. Let's try and get them all in here. Uh, hope the Titanic's not identical. There's a little issue of lifeboats. Well, there's never enough lifeboats on any ship to cater for all the passengers. There's just not. Well, it's no, it's just not. There's not on there. I mean, on the one that we were on, uh, we had one, two, three, three, three life. Was it two, four lifeboats? But they were in fact boats. They were. We used to use them for going to shore in our boat, and I think it held. About a couple of hundred, 150, something like that. So there's never enough. I mean, I don't want to bob around in the beautiful briny sea. 
But I think it, I think it will be identical. Obviously, the safety will have to be upped a little bit. But they're in, they're in you know, the, the only reason that people died on the Titanic wasn't because the lifeboats. It was because of the cold. That's what they died of. They died of hypothermia. All the people in the lifeboats survived. And unfortunately, what they did, they actually took down some lifeboats which were half empty. When they said women and children first, that's what they meant. Women and children in the boats and then fill up with anybody else. And so some lifeboats went down with hardly anybody in there. That was the big problem. Some people got panicky when they realised that the ship actually was going down. There was no two ways about it. They had to get off, so they dived into the sea. And because of the cold, and because they weren't prepared for it, they died of hypothermia. That's why the place was littered with bodies who'd all died, except one man who was so drunk, he stepped off the ship into the water and swam away. He was some bloke who wrote a book about it. He was the only man, I think, who survived the Titanic by swimming away from it because he was so drunk. He'd, I think he drank the equivalent of a bottle of whiskey or something. And so he didn't feel the cold at all. There was no cut. He just swam away from it and then sort of waited because, as you know, when every ship goes down, it creates this vortex and it's like a plug hole <laughs> and sort of drag people down. Did I what? I have got a lovely book on the Titanic, Jess, yes. And, of course, we went to Vegas and we, we went to the Titanic exhibition and saw the big piece of the Titanic. And, uh, and I've got the film A Night to Remember. And I've got, oh, loads of other things, loads of things about it. But I'm not as an expert as John is. John's the expert because he knows everything about it, everything about it. But I'm, I'm just fascinated by the fact that it's still there two miles down under the water. And they've actually taken cameras on board and they've been through the corridors and they've tried to open safes and do all sorts of things. But it's, it's a fascinating story. It's an absolutely fascinating story. really is. It's, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just incredible. I think because it was called Titanic and, and it was immune from everything, but, uh, but not, but not, I'm afraid. It was not immune from the iceberg. Somebody says if the iceberg had, it had hit it straight on, it would have survived. I don't think so, because the thing that, that saw the Titanic sink was the cheap rivets. They'd used not a particularly high-grade grade metal, and they popped off. And that was why. Once they'd gone like that, it ripped open a gash, and the water went rushing in and flooded the holds. Before, if it had only gone into one hold, if the rivets had held, then they could have isolated each chamber, and it would have been fine. It was the fact that it did so many chambers that guaranteed the Titanic was going to sink. Because quite clearly, somebody somewhere... I don't think anybody's ever been named over whose decision it was to use inferior rivets. I can't remember exactly whose whose job that was, I suppose, somebody in the, in the shipyard. But this new one's going to be built in China, which is good. Uh, 84850, uk. Lisa's a first-time texter. And uh, Jeanette and Ken are on the Wirral, which is wonderful, which is wonderful. Uh, 84850. Oh, you're quite right, actually, Nick of Bromley. Very lazy if you take phone calls. Very lazy indeed. Hardly makes a presenter work at all, does it? Uh, Martin, oh yes, he wished everybody a very happy new year, which is nice. Nice when people wish people a happy new year. One from uh, Stephen. He says, all the festivities have passed me by this year. I work in care. The pay is terrible. I've been on shift for three years throughout the holidays and to top it off in battling flu. So you've been infecting everybody. That's all we need, isn't it? There's some people going into work. So he says, "I'll I'll send best wishes. To people, I'm not going to say Happy New Year. I don't think it makes any difference what you say nowadays, does it? But if I always say, if you're in a job where the pay's not very good, get out and find something else. That's that's the best thing. That's the best thing. Bridget says, very Happy New Year to you and the listeners and all the friends I've made through listening to the show. This year will be fabulous as the tour of Priscilla starts on Feb the 9th and I've got 11 shows booked in so far. 
It's a year today that I was mourning its departure at the Palace Theatre, so now she's, she's a lot happier about the whole thing. She was uh, one of its biggest fans. Lindy has sent uh, wishes to everybody for a happy and healthy New Year. Yes, health, I think, definitely. Definitely. And uh, Laura says, could you wish all my Steve Allen friends a happy, healthy and stress-free New Year? Especially Miss Diane, Paul, Terry, Gloria, Diana, Mike... Jill, Ellen, Marion, Suzanne, Vivian, Sherry, Jackie, Karen, Sheila, Barbara, Justin, Simon and Rhett and Uncle Tom Cobbley and all, I should imagine. Coming up to the news, it's 8.30, it's New Year's Day. It's a lovely day today. Apparently we're going to get some sunshine. Don't believe that. Believe that when we see it, shall we? Because the time now is 8.30. 27 minutes to uh, nine. If you can borrow a TV with Sky on it, says Paul, because I don't have Sky. I must be the only person in the hemisphere that does not have Sky television. I've got more than enough to cope with. Do you have Sky, Jess, at home? Oh, right. Oh, of course, Alex. Well, oh, she gets it for free. Oh, wow. Yes, I mean, I, I, loads, all my friends have got it, except me. I'm the only one that doesn't have it. It's a bit, bit tragic. But apparently, on Information TV at 11.45, they carry full coverage of the parade, presented by Steve Jones. Oh, what are Steve Jones? Steve Jones from LBC from years ago, is it? Oh, I hope so. Sarah Hollenby. Now, why have I heard that name? Simon Lederman and Bob Bone. It's Sky Channel 212, which you can watch a live stream on their website, also on Freesat. They show it every year. Never did in my day. We had to sort of do it, we had to do it live, as they say. Live. I didn't mind doing live. I was, I was quite good with, uh, with live. I just in- enjoyed it. The Titanic drunk was Charles Duchlin, who was the chief night baker. That was the man who was so drunk on the Titanic that he stepped, he'd been drinking, and he was so drunk that when the ship went down, he just stepped off into the water and swam away. Everybody else, he was, he was, he was the drunk night baker. I don't know, actually, why he was drunk at night. I suppose because there wasn't much else to do on the Titanic. I know, I remember that people were being told, listen, can you, can you finish your drinks? Yeah, in a minute, no rush, no rush, you know, just a little bit of a drill thing going on here. No, it's going to sink. It's going to go to the bottom of the briny. It's going to go down. I often wondered if there were people stuck on it. Are there skeletons on board the Titanic? Because it was the third-class passengers who couldn't get out, and I'm assuming when the thing went down, it would have taken them all with it. And they would have drowned, because that was because the barriers were all locked up between third and second class. And so I'm assuming in one part... Because they've only ever showed us the first part of the ship. We've only ever seen the iconic bit at the front where, you know, I'm king of the world, that bit. We've never seen the back half of the ship, which I believe is about how many... Is it half a mile away, John? I can't remember. But they've never shown us that bit of it. I've seen the mocked-up models of what it looks like and where it's split in half. But they've never experimented and gone onto the back bit of the ship. That's the bit I'd like to see, because it must all be open. You could probably get, walk in there, practically. Although they showed me something the other day which was so frightening, I, I don't think I've ever been frightened. I'm not good on heights... And they were in Antarctic, and they've got one of these, I don't know what they call them, it's like a sinkhole. In the middle of all this ice, there is this huge hole, and water pours into it. Pours into it, and it just, and they don't know where it goes. It goes under the ice, but they thought it was going to the front of the glacier. But they put some little electronic gizmos in, and they didn't appear, so they've got no idea where they are. So they go down on a rope into this hole in the centre of the earth, through all this ice, and when they get to the bottom... He said, you've got no idea. They, they, they took cameras down. And there is one of these uh, ventricle things that the water went through. He said it's the size of two double-decker buses on top of each other. It's enormous. And then all of a sudden, it started cracking. 
And he said, I think it's going to collapse. And they had to get out of there, but they have to pull themselves up on these ropes. It was the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Oh, it was awful. Dreadful. But fascinating. Fascinating when they, when they take you out there and you, you see what, what goes on and this, this water. And they just didn't know where it went to. They really weren't sure. Fascinating programme. Fascinating. But it had that bloke in, uh, uh, Chris Packham. I'm not the biggest Chris Packham fan. He's OK. He always he, he tries to weave in songs from some group or something. He's, a, he's slightly cracked, but he's very enthusiastic about what he does. So I suppose he's all right in that respect. He's just a bit dull, I'm afraid. Just a little bit dull. Uh, Christine from Dublin says, I hope you have a good new year. I'm so happy I found you last July. Was I lost? Was I lo- Where was I? Was I wandering lonely as a cloud? I should imagine not. And, um, and Fred in uh, Palmer's Green... It says, uh, I saw your good friend Darren on Sunday at the last Magic Circle Christmas show. He's looking very well. The, uh, the show was superb, as usual, with the probable highlight being Piff, the Magic Dragon. Yes, we've used Piff on uh, a couple of Steve Allen shows, or perhaps one Steve Allen. We've on two Steve Allen shows, I can't remember. He's very good, though, very good. An excellent mix of comedy and magic, no better way of spending an evening than at the best little theatre in London, produced as last year by a magician you probably know, Richard Pinner. Anyway, from my good self... Lady Linda, have a, uh, an excellent and healthy 2013. Actually, we're hoping to do another couple of shows at the Magic Circle this year, probably before March. We'll do a couple of charity shows down there where we'll assemble a group of magicians for you, some, some close-up and some stage magicians as well and all sorts of things, and uh, then you can come down. It's a very nice little intimate theatre. Only seats 160. You get a tour around the Magic Circle and you can have a look at all their, their wonderful goodies, but don't ask anybody to tell you how it's done because they won't. In fact, we were, we were trying to work out one of the tricks from one of the people on the show and we couldn't get it at all, I'm afraid. We really couldn't. Uh, Steve, I get Sky Go Free. My mum has Sky in a house. She doesn't use the internet service, so I plug my laptop into the television. So you're talking another language here, Damien. I've got no idea what you're talking about. That doesn't, it doesn't mean a thing to me. I know nothing about stuff like that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is from... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, 84850. Uh, come on, blimey, get some... There's a bright spark here. It's poor old Patrick. The reason the Titanic sank is because it hit an iceberg. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Are they all in homes, do you think, or something? Are the, are the people in homes and matrons not, not quite got to grips with them yet? Never mind, very, very soon you'll have your medication for today, love, and it, it'll sort you out. Uh, 84850, uh, Another one from Ricky in Harrow. says, thank you for making my 2012, mo- 2012 morning so enjoyable, which is good. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. Uh, this is the fact that the bulkheads didn't go all the way to the top of the hold was a major contributing cause. No, it's the rivets. It came down to the rivets. The rivets were of lesser quality, and that's why it ripped open like a zip, I'm afraid. If I sign you up to Sky, I can get a £75 Marks and Spencer's voucher, says Amanda. I don't think I want it, actually. I don't think I want Sky. I, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. And uh, and Joe says they better not let Yvette Fielding and the most haunted team near the new Titanic, or as I prefer to call them, that bunch of frauds on the television, I'm afraid, where poor Yvette Fielding wanders around like a lost bat and uh, and just comes up with the biggest pile of drivel about the other side. It's terrible. 84850, uk. And uh, one here, when a body's immersed in water for a long time, the skin goes wrinkly and the bones become soft. So there wouldn't be any skeletons in the Titanic. I learned this yesterday. There you go. That's exciting. I visited the Clink Prison. 
Wow. I went to the Titanic exhibition at the O2 last year, says Di. It was interesting. You had a card at the beginning with a person's name on it who was a passenger. I survived being first class. Yes, I didn't. They give you a card. It's a bit, it's a bit, a bit ironic, really. You go in, but, I mean, it's 100 years ago, so, you know, nobody's still alive. And so they've got this card they give you when you go in, and at the very end of the exhibition, you then check, and you find out, looking at the list on the wall, whether you lived or died... And it tells you all about yourself, which was which was good. So now you know. But it's a very interesting exhibition. Did you get the big piece as well, or was that a slightly different Titanic exhibition? So if you went the O2 last year, no, it can't be, because the big piece is in the exhibition over in Vegas. It's in the Luxor. It's in the Luxor. Uh, Joanne and family are in North Weald. Have you been on our steam train yet? It's an asset to our village. It certainly is. And the buses, of course. They have what, sorry? No. Yes, they have, a, they, have a, they have a steam train. They've got steam trains that run from uh, North Wheel through Epping. And they've got all the buses as well. They've got the old Routemaster buses, really old, which is really good. Which is really, really good. So it's, it's a nice thing to have. And they've got some uh, huge support. They've got some huge support down there from all the uh, people. It's a very, a very thriving society. John says there are no remains of the dead from the Titanic. They would have been eaten away by the sea's microbiotic life within five years of the sinking. So if they'd gone down within five years, they would have, you'd have seen it better. But I'm assuming we didn't have the technology, because it took them ages to find it, didn't it? They had to, and yet they, they had the coordinates. So I wonder if, if they'd gone down within five years, they would have found... Perfect furniture down there, as opposed to stuff that rotted. They say within ten years the whole ship will implode on itself because of the creatures that eat metal down there. So there won't be much left, and already it's it's looking a bit shaky when they take the cameras on board and the thing starts moving around. It's still interesting, though. Still interesting. Thank you, John, for that one. I knew you'd know. I knew you would know. Uh, what else? Oh, no papers, unfortunately, this morning, because they can't get through, poor loves. We managed to make it. Yeah, we, 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 we've got a summary of the papers. We don't physically have the papers. Perhaps we can do a double version tomorrow. A d- double version of the papers. That'd be quite nice. Uh, Jeannie in Western Australia says, that may the year ahead be a personal best for you. Well, do you know, it couldn't be any better than this year. Couldn't be. I mean, this year has been fantastic. Record figures. Record figures. I mean, just like record, even special round of applause at the meeting, you know, which I think I instigated, to be honest with you. I think I started that one. <laughs> I started that because the spike, technical term, looks so good. I mean, it just, uh, you know, at this time of the morning, we wiped the opposition off the face of the earth. In fact, there was no opposition. It, it just went. It was brilliant. As I've said before, even people who don't like me listen all the time and contribute. Every time they send a text or an email, it kind of goes, it goes up your figures, and it's, it's brilliant. I love it. Uh, we're going to watch the New Year's Day swim here in Saundersfoot, says Jan. Usually over a 1,000 swimmers in fancy dress for charity. Amazing. The sun is shining in Pembrokeshire. Well, surprisingly, that does sound a bit cold for me. We, we, did, we talked on Christmas Day. You know they do the annual Christmas Day swim in the Serpentine a bunch of loonies get out there and they go, we've got to swim. And have you seen the YouTube video of this bloke, a German bloke, who jumps off his diving board onto the swimming pool and it's all ice? And he ju- and you think, oh, you can feel the pain in his back. The ice was so thick. But they have broken the ice on the Serpentine in previous years to do their swim. And I don't know if... Um, is Winter Wonderland open again today? Is that still running or have they dismantled it? We think it's still going, do we? Well, we'll have a check on Winter Wonderland, because that could be a day out for you. After you've done the News Day Parade, what, although it was rammed earlier on this week, it was so, so busy. But even in Pembrokeshire, there is sunshine. Even in London, there is sunshine. We have sunshine today. 6th of January it closes, does it? Oh, there we are. You can do 
I might do Winter Wonderland later. I don't... I know I've done it once. I know. I did, I did go about seven times last year. I love the way Jess just keeps reminding me of everything that I've done. It's, it's awful. It's, it's a bit like being stalked. Because there was a man didn't let any letter on the bus this morning. There were two buses. You know when two buses come along? I sometimes don't like the look of the first one. I go in the second bus. And so she goes to the second bus, and the man goes, no, I'm not letting you on, because, you know, there was a bus in front. You think, you open the doors, you silly little man, or I'll slap the back of your legs. And so she said, well, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. You have to let me on. There's a stalker on that bus. And so he let her on. He knew she was fibbing. He knew she was fibbing about it. But, I mean, what right have they got? So you didn't get on that bus in front. What was the point of you sitting behind him then? What are you, some sort of dipso, you know, bus driver or something? You open your doors. Open your door. I'd have banged on it and go, I'm partially sighted, banging on the door. I'd have done everything. <laughs> Matthew says, I remember when Titanic 3D was shown at the cinema where I work. I had to sit in the cinema screen while members of the public were watching the film and I fell asleep. I don't think I'd want to watch it in 3D. It's a bit like me. I, I, we were saying this earlier. Jess and I were saying she's, she's going to probably go to the cinema later. Well, she would have done if she could get seats, but they left it too late. And so she's going to go with a friend of hers. She's going to go and see Les Miserables. Because it's apparently fantastic. It's really fantastic. But, and I said, I, I'll have to wait till it comes out on DVD. Because when I go to the cinema now, the, they dim the lights down. If it's comfy seats, I'm out for the count. I can barely stay awake for it. So I, I tend not to go to the cinema. And also, I don't really want to share my viewing habits with a load of strangers. I'm sorry about that, because you do get people who talk, and that drives me mad. Absolutely mad, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at So some people go, mind you, I was the same at the, at the theatre. When I did Laurence Olivier reviewing for a, for a couple of years, sometimes I go to the theatre. Again, the light, the worst place, the Barbican. Because the Barbican seats are so comfy, I mean so, so comfy, that at the end of each row they've got doors. And just before the performance starts, the doors close automatically, so you're enclosed in the theatre. And then the lights dim. Well, that's me out. I'm gone. Perfect place for a snooze. Comfy seat. And if you turn sideways, and I used to get two seats, turn sideways, you just... It's wonderful. You just curl up and go to sleep. Uh, it's a great pity they don't televise a New Year's Day parade, says Gloria. They do! I do. We've just told you. We've just told you 212 on Sky. She says, I recall a couple of years ago a TV documentary about it and the media coverage. They visited uh, the LBC outside studio, looked like the top of an open bus, and you were there chatting enthusiastically. Really? Good Lord. I'd like to see a copy of that. Look at the time. 13 to 9. <laughs> 10 to 9 is the time a deal has been reached over America's so-called fiscal cliff. This is the one that threatened to plunge the country's economy back into recession. David Buick is on the line now. Morning, David. Steve, Happy New Year, old oh, Pauls. How are you? Bless your heart, thank you. I'm, well, I'm just about struggling with Good. this at the moment. Because I didn't understand this fiscal cliff. I understood it when it first started, but now it's changed, hasn't it? We've moved the goalposts. But we always were going to. I mean, this level of what you might call brinkmanship or gerrymandering or whatever you want to call it, I mean, it's been with the United States political system almost since Noah left the ark. It's actually very tedious. Mm. Markets find it irritating in the extreme. But this, unless you change the U.S. Constitution, and frankly, hell's got a better chance of freezing over than that happening, um, is that they've got to deal with it. And I have, frankly, been slightly critical of President Obama because he has a lousy relationship with Congress, and Congress has a Republican majority, whether you like it or not, 238 to 197. So there's no point dismissing them with the contempt that they don't deserve. And his job as commander-in-chief, as they say, is to make sure that his legislation gets through Congress, Senate, and the House of Representatives, job done. 
He hasn't done it because he hasn't got a decent relationship with Congress. But give Joe Biden his due, together with Mitch O'Connell, McConnell, who is the Republican representative, they fudged a deal. Steve, they were always going to fudge a deal. They had to. Yes, yes. Because the market told them, if you don't, the cost of borrowing to the United States, and where they pay somewhere between a quarter percent and 2% for their money from three months up to 30 years. And when you've got a budget deficit that's gone up from $9 trillion to $16 trillion, if you don't get your act together and deliver what is a sensible budget, the market will just back off, and therefore the cost of borrowing would go up, and it would just destroy the United States, this whole financial and economic prowess. Whether we like it or not, I love the United States, and it's still the biggest economy in the world. Mm. And the rest of us, Europe, the Far East, South America, Africa, all look to the United States to lead growth. And if there is no growth there, and frankly, the messing around that's taken place in the last three months could actually cost half a percent in growth throughout 2013. Fudge deal, it was always going to happen. It's what they call brinkmanship, Mm. thoroughly irritating for everybody. But I think they're going to get there. So, so what they've actually done, they've agreed to limit the tax hikes to the wealthiest, they've blocked spending cuts, and they've offered to improve benefits for the long-term unemployed. That's right. Um, the million-dollar threshold that President Obama, um, or the quarter of a million dollar, should I say, threshold that President Obama wanted, has been agreed at somewhere between four dollars and $550,000. So, right. oh. but, you know... The Republicans wanted a million dollars. Frankly, it's unrealistic. But the most important thing is the deficit. Mm. And whether anybody likes it or not, if that is not dealt with sometime in the course of the next two or three years, whatever people say, you know, about, you know, you're going to destroy growth and the unemployment rate, if we don't get that debt done and the rest of the world turns around to the United States and says that debt is too big, and the cost of borrowing goes up to them, they're destroyed. I'm not saying that's going to happen because I think these people are around, they're too smart, so much is tied in with it, like trade between China and the United States is becoming incredibly important, as it is with the rest of the world, and therefore I don't think it would ever get out of hand. But it does try people's nerves and phrase them up a bit. So, so when, when will this legislation get approved? Well, we've done the Senate. That was agreed, I think, 89 votes to 9, so that was a doddle. And now it's got to get through the House of Representatives. It could fall down there, Steve, but I think it would look utterly ridiculous and would hold the whole system into ridicule. So I think it'll go through. And I'm not expecting any real changes in the tax system to take place for another two months because come February, we've got another round of negotiations. And these could be just as tortuous. But I'm expecting this to be put to bed sometime in the next five or six weeks. Right. David, thank you for that very much indeed. Pleasure, Steve. God bless you. God bless you as well. David Buick from BGC Partners. It's always nice. I used to love seeing David in the building as well. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. If you don't understand the fiscal cliff, just go on to Google. It will explain it all. It does sound quite tedious, but it's, it's actually, as David explained, very, very important. 84850, uh, Winter Wonderland, says Mark the London cabbie, on until the 6th. Thank you. I think I might go today. I think I might go today. Actually, the last time I went, I did... Sorry? What? <laughs> Again? <laughs> it's only been twice since... Actually, no, this has been three times. This will be three times. The last time we went, it was so busy. We literally fought our way through. It was It was a bit... You know, there was a lot of us, and uh, there was, we sort of came out again. So we didn't. Kathy and Epson says, record figures. 
Thanks to you. I love listening to you in the mornings whilst walking Alfie, who's our arthritic Labrador. <laughs> An arthritic Labrador. I shouldn't laugh, really. It just sounds a bit funny, doesn't it? Alfie, arthritic, and a Labrador. I love labs, as you know. But it, it, was, it was so busy out there. But you're right, record figures. Even I was surprised. Even I was surprised. And I quite like having record figures. But as I've always said to, to any of the management here, they go, fantastic, fantastic. Um, and then I go, but they go up, they go down, they go sideways. But luckily, they never seem to go down. We just seem to garner all the other radio stations. And then I discovered the other day, because I always like to check on what the opposition's doing. Not that I think there's any opposition out there, but I like to have a little check. And, uh, and there's somebody who's going to be starting a new show in the new year, exactly the same time as me. But I heard them doing a programme this morning, and, you know, we've got no worries in that department at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Dominic in Teddington, or Toddington. Is that Toddington? Where, where's Toddington? Is Toddington got a service station? Is that somewhere out of... Yeah, we think... I'm sure Toddington is uh, a thing. Jim in Bickley, he says, uh, to get even more viewers, he says, can you go back to finishing at 7am? You're so good in the morning, and it puts me in a good mood for the day. Which is quite nice. Toddington Services. I have heard of Toddington. I knew I had. Uh, Claire says, I was doing my voluntary work on Christmas Day morning. I am again at the moment. Today, New Year's Day. I do the cat's protection, feeding and cleaning pens. Well, that's a good thing to do. That barking mad woman that we have, the barking mad woman that we had, uh, who feeds the pigeons in Twickenham, who dumps down tons of bread and seed and everything else. Oh, she's vile. Absolutely vile. She doesn't realise, she's too stupid to realise that they're feral and they carry filthy diseases. And, uh, and she keeps fit. So when she's dead, nobody will feed them and they'll all die. So we can only hope that happens fairly soon. Uh, another one here says, uh, this is uh, Maggie from Bromley. Morning, Maggie. She says, uh, Happy New Year to my favourite presenter. And also uh, a big hug to our two wonderful new grandsons. Finley and another hug to our expected grandson during a few weeks. Jan wants to know how long the sun is out, because uh, it's out over Peckham. Uh, yes, well, it's out here. It's beautiful here. This is almost... And you know what's going to happen this year? There's going to be more water. We're going to have snow. We're going to be up to our gunnels in snow, I promise you. I know at the moment it doesn't look at all likely, but I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at the long-range forecast and I'm thinking to myself, it's going to be snow. We're going to have a lot of snow around and it's going to be... Pretty, pretty bad, I'm afraid. Oh, somebody else has picked up some of my Jackie Lawson cards. Oh, Giles Mason has picked up his Jackie Lawson card. Good. I like that idea. Giles, uh, oh, he's picked them both up. He's picked them both up. Giles, do you remember Giles? you remember Giles? Slightly before you, Jess, was it? Oh, right. He was not, you'd like Giles. He was a nice man. Very nice man. One of my former producers. Uh, 84850. Oh, Christine says, you just said every email helps. So half afraid to send this one again. So thank you for that. Yes, I mean, listen, every email, every text message, it all goes into a huge big sin bin and they look and see who's popular. And of course, if you get loads of them, it's really good. So I mean, I'm not blow any sort of, you know, any whistles and bells on this kind of thing. But uh, the more you send in, the happier. Uh, John says you've hit upon a very interesting point about today's cruise ships not carrying enough lifeboats. I agree entirely. You would think given the calamity of the Titanic, it would have been a lesson well learnt years ago. The way today's cruise line companies get around maritime law is to back up their ship's lifeboat capacity by having those barrel-shaped inflatable life rafts dotted around the decks. But as you say, actual lifeboats, not enough. Well, that's that other one, isn't it? The apocryphal story that on an aircraft, there's not enough oxygen for everybody. There is not enough oxygen. Oh, yes, apparently so. You know, when they say, and in the action, you know, of the plane going down, please God, never, you know, masks will fall from the ceiling and you put it to your face and the action of pulling it to your face activates the oxygen. I was told years ago that there's not enough oxygen on board to cover all the passengers. 
I mean, I, well, I, I don't know. That's what I... I mean, I, nobody's ever sort of followed it up or found out whether it's true or not. I mean, let's face it, if you're in a, <coughs> a downward spiral, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is worrying about whether there's oxygen. You know, I'd be worrying about it, and also whether or not I could finish my prawn cocktail. You know, because if you've paid for it, I want to eat the blooming thing. I don't want to waste time on things like that. Coming up very shortly, the news at 9 o'clock on LBC 97.3. It's New Year's Day. We could wish those of you who are sober a very happy new year. And those of you who are still in the land of Nod, don't worry, you can podcast the programme a little bit later. Young Jess will use all the dexterity in her fingers to make sure that the podcast is up and running a little bit later on today. And of course, you get three hours which is fantastic. So, and it's whizzing forever so quick. We've only got another hour to go. So make the most of it. But Winter Wonderland on till the 6th of January. So you can go today. Hi. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past nine. Happy New Year. Says at the risk of because if you listen when you podcast this program back, you'll hear at the beginning of the show the disastrous journey that we all had in this morning trying to get in. It was frightening in the extreme. I've never had it in in all the years in London, forty years of working New Year's Day. I've never seen anything like it. Really, absolutely every road closed off. We couldn't get near. In fact, yesterday I think somebody was Jess was trying to get a cab uh, for one of the people here, and they said, "Well, uh, Barclay Square." I think, what? Walk from here to Barclay? How long is that going to take, for God's sake? It's ridiculous. You know, it's really, it was really bad. And yet they'll actually cater for drunks. Apparently, if, if, you're, if you're sober, then they're not really much interested in you. So wish your producers, Jess and Clive and Joanne Webb, who was there late last night, a very happy to She's here. I think she's sleeping here, to be honest with you. I think Joe is sleeping here. And I don't know, are you on tomorrow, Jess? J- Jess is on tomorrow? She's on tomorrow as well. And Clive as well. He'll be, he'll be around He's not on tomorrow. Oh, it's Will tomorrow, is it? Will Will Cousins. Will Cousins? No, Will Kisby. Oh, sorry. It's Will Cousins. <laughs> I'm talking about half the time. And uh, <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Frankie says, you keep me sane. Well, that's always a good thing to know, is it? So I listen to you every day just before I go to work. I am a push-bike courier mailman for a big, big company. Let's say it's the equivalent of the Royal Mail for a big European country. He said, I've got a degree... And we'll hopefully do something bigger to earn a bit more money. That's what it all comes down to, isn't it? Earning money nowadays. Uh, he says, uh, please, 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 a million times, say hello to all the LBC presenters. James O'Brien, Petrie, James Whale, uh, Julia Hartley Brew, and, of course, J. Louise Knight. There you go. It's all from Frankie. Was, uh, he, ha- he said, I have attending, attended a few acting classes uh, for voice and accent training. He says, I wish I had the voice of radio like you do. Perhaps you can train me. I don't think you can train somebody to do radio. I remember being told years and years ago, somebody said they used to do radio training courses. In fact, they used to be, I can't remember what it was called now, it was such a long time ago, it might have been the radio, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was in Greek Street, and they taught people how to be on radio. But you can't teach presenters. You can teach somebody to be, <coughs> excuse me, a journalist, and you can teach somebody to be a reporter, and how to put things together, but you, you don't find people are just plucked from obscurity and given jobs as presenters. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's never worked like that. I've never known anybody just write into LBC and they go, oh, right, you can have your own show. Because most of the presenters who work here, with, with a few exceptions, have been in the business for ages and they do speech radio. It's a complete difference between doing speech radio and doing music radio. 
music radio nowadays on most of the stations. Sometimes, well, in fact, I was talking to one of my friends on one of our sister stations, and he says something at four minutes past the hour. He doesn't say anything until 20 past after that. I said, well, what happens in the middle? He said, it's music and adverts and trails and everything else. I said, God, I, said, I couldn't keep quiet for that long. I'd have to interrupt the music and go, I'm terribly sorry, but you're not going to be listening to Beyonce for a few minutes. You're going to hear me. I couldn't do it. When I used to do a music-based programme in, in Austria, I was the only one who didn't play much music on the breakfast show. I wanted to talk all the time, because there was always something that had gone on in the morning. It doesn't, even on the days where you think nothing's going to happen and I've got nothing to talk about, I've never had a day where nothing's happened. I mean, I, 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 mean, I did actually... Exactly. A visit to the hairdressers became a three-hour programme. It's, it's, it's quite easy to do. Well, I mean, I say it's quite easy. It's easy for me to do. Other people fall by the wayside. I hear other people trying to do it, and you think, no, it doesn't quite work for you. You don't have... I mean, yes, exactly. A trip to Paris, weeks weeks worth of programmes. In fact, some things I can, I can drag out year in, year out. But this morning, it was the travel. Because I was so... We were all frustrated. We were all sort of, oh, I just want to get in. And then, you know, a little bit scared because drunk people out there, not particularly good, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Millie says, another email for the pile. Thank you. All goes to helping. All goes to helping. You're not the only person on the hemisphere who doesn't have satellite television. I don't either. There's more than enough on terrestrial and radio to keep me happy. Well, I've got DVDs. I've got just one or two DVDs, which sort of keep me going throughout the year. And I, I've got, I've, I've, you know, I don't even know how many DVDs I've got. I have got piles and piles and piles of them. And a friend of mine is quite good with her. She'll order a DVD, watch it, and then after she's kept it, she gives it to the charity shop. And I'm thinking, well, why did you buy it in the first place? I, as far as I'm concerned, I've bought it. It's mine. I don't want to give it to somebody else, charity or otherwise, I'm afraid. And, uh, and Liz says, here's another email to say that... Uh, you know, you're all right, and you deserve a huge pay rise. Oh, listen, don't, don't ever get me wrong on the, on the money front. I never complain about the money. As long as I can afford to just have a little sandwich or something like that at the end of the day and perhaps help people less fortunate than myself, then, you know, I feel as I've done something in life which is worthwhile. Although I was in Marks and Spencer's yesterday buying some water and one or two items, and a lady said to me, I thought you weren't shopping in Marks and Spencer's ever again. I said, well, I said, I'm a bit too lazy to walk round the corner to Waitrose today. Well, I'm not shopping in M&S because the standard's fallen. And I don't want to buy three of any one item. And I think that their, their standards in food and in toilet tissue have, have, have literally, I'm afraid, stretched the boundary. The toilet tissue is the last straw. It's so weak and feeble. You might as well, it's like, like tissue paper. It's just rubbish. It's absolutely... I'm terribly sorry, but it's just not good enough. And then, then their, their party food wasn't much cop this year either. That was a bit naff, whereas Waitrose's was very good. And, um, and I just... Everything is like... If you buy three of this item, it's a tenner. But if you buy one, it's £5.47. And my, I noticed that my shopping bill was shooting up. And, and I wasn't getting any more in there at all. And the standards of the sprouts slipped, I'm afraid. And for, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, that's tantamount to heresy. You know, the moment the sprouts go off in Marston. You see, everything. You can judge a lot by sprouts. When we went out for Christmas dinner, the one thing I was keen on checking is what the sprouts were like. If they came out looking slightly dark green, they'd been sitting in water for too long. But these came out perky little sprouts. Perky little sprouts. And they had just the right, they were just a little bit al dente. They probably could have gone about another minute and a half, two minutes in the water. But they were fine for me. They looked healthy. The carrots looked healthy. And for the first time ages, I ate my parsnips. And I don't do, but they're the most bland vegetable I've ever had. I know you see honey and bacon. People tell me honey and bacon, but I just, I couldn't, but I did eat them. But I just couldn't quite get excited about, about a parsnip. I don't know why. Everybody said, it's like bread sauce. 
Rupert Bartier asked me about bread sauce. He said, you have bread sauce? I go, oh, God, no, it's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I do like stuffing, but I'm not into posh stuffing. I just like sage and onion. Sage and onion, as far as I'm concerned, is, and also served separately. I don't want it to go in the, in the bird, as it were. And it's... I, no, it's... If it's in the bird, it's not, not crunchy. You have, to, you have to cook it separately. It's got to be done separately. I just like traditional things at Christmas, but it's all over. And it was, there was such a long lead-up to it. And now, it's very shortly, we'll be thinking of taking down the tree, won't we? We'll have to take the tree down, rescue the lights for another year, put them away in their box, and then, uh, and then we all sort of get onto the business. And it's going to whiz through this year. It's going to whiz through. You make me laugh out loud sometimes between 4 and 6.30, which is quite something, says Liz. I get that a lot from people. I got that from a lovely lady the other day. She said, I, she, I bumped into her in uh, Paul Cooper's greengrocers. <laughs> and um, Paul Cooper's son was in there, and he said that he bumped into the man who runs the fish and chip shop in Twickenham, who listens to the programme. He said, I'm, I'm bumping to people all the time who listen to the programme. Which is actually, it's a small world, I know. I can't believe it. I'm just, I thought it was just me and two, two other people in the studio, nobody else listening. And this lady was explaining to Paul's son, she said, you know, she said, I, I woke up the other day, she said, I felt so down... She said, and very, very depressed, she said. I listened to him for ten minutes, she said, and I'm laughing out loud. I thought, which programme was that? When was that programme that we were laughing out loud? Oh, happy days. Happy days, as they say. Uh, as a regular listener, says David, since the Gough Square days, my mornings and weekends would not be the same without your show and LBC. Sober new year for me again after stopped drinking many years ago. I love not having the hangovers. Oh, me and you together. There'll be a lot of people with very... Very heavy heads this morning. But that's what they do. I mean, I don't, I don't mind. If somebody wants to, you know, drink. But I think you only get the heavy head when you go out to pubs because they're not serving the same sort of standard that you would have at home. You know, if, if, if you're at home... Well, if, if, if you're a student, I mean, you'd be drinking petrol and methylated spirits. You don't really care. You would actually drink from puddles if you were a student. You could actually bottle puddle water and sell it to students as some new concoction from Corfu and they'd buy it. They would think it's some cheap drink. You just get puddle water, add a splash of gin around the top so they can smell gin. As long as they can smell it, they don't know what it tastes like. Students will drink anything. They're so good like that. And that's why they're so easy. They're so easy, students, you know, to pull them or to buy a drink for them. Just don't go out for for dinner, okay? because they're not used to restaurants. They don't understand menus. They understand the all-you-can-eat buffet. They understand that bit, but they don't understand sitting down and ordering separate... They just think you can eat all of it at the same time. And also, they can eat for the country. So that's my only... They, they understand Nando's and they understand uh, Pizza Hut, all you can eat, and they understand Subway. They also know the menu of Burger King backwards. Uh, they also know everything and also the bargain buckets from KFC. They know all the food that they can get, you know, and also these other chicken places that aren't Kentucky, the ones that maybe used to be had the licence taken away for various reasons. Mainly hygiene, it has to be said. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad... I had a dream about hygiene the other day in a chicken place. I went in there, and there was a cat on the floor. And that's my other bad thing, I'm afraid. I, I really don't like people taking dogs into coffee shops now. I can't bear it. I cannot bear people taking dogs into coffee shops. I don't know why. Uh, one here. This is Lindy. He says, could you wish my husband uh, Vasily? Vasilis. Vasilis. Is that a name? Good Lord. A happy name day today. Is that what it is? It's a name day. And uh, could you read it in your Prince Charles voice? No. We don't, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a performing dog or something. I don't just sort of, you know, pop up there. <laughs> uh, 
That's not bad, is it? <laughs> Gloria says, when we flew on Concorde, God, you're posh, we went through the safety procedures, including the fitting of the oxygen masks, and following our wonderful trip, a friend of ours who was at that time a US military pilot told us that at that altitude, our blood would have boiled in an emergency anyway. <laughs> Riveting. Just the kind of thing you want to hear afterwards, isn't it? Just the kind of thing you want to hear afterwards. Stephen Edinburgh says, I've been podcasting your show for two years, as I only catch your live broadcast for 30 minutes on my journey into work. See, I love it when people podcast. If you've never podcast the programme, and you probably don't understand what podcasting is, I'll tell you very quickly, it's a way of saving all the programmes. In other words, you pay from as little as £2 a month, and you can download everything on LBC. We are the most downloaded programme, I have to tell you, uh, bar none. With, with, I, mean, I think, really, because it's the time it's on, but I do get a lot of people who listen live and who podcast the programme as well. And so when it doesn't go up there, people get very upset. That programme was not there, and people have waited for it because they, they've paid for it. So we try and get them up. Sometimes there's a glitch. If too many of you try at the same time, it does tend to overload the system, but it will be up there later on today. And then you can listen back to the programme, and what we do is we take out... I say we. I have nothing to do with it. We take out the news, we take out the weather and the travel and the adverts, and then you've just got the programme. And apparently it was Pure Steve. Perhaps we should just call it Pure Steve, because it is the biggest downloaded programme on LBC. (sighs) Land of hope and glory. Quarter past nine. Morning. Happy New Year. 9.20. Sunshine. And all the rest of it. It is nice, actually. I might undo an extra button in celebration. Jenny says, if I'd known you were on air this morning, I'd have got up earlier. I told everybody yesterday. Tomorrow I'm back to between uh, four... I remember what time I'm on, actually. Between four and 6.30 tomorrow. It is Wednesday. And still everywhere's going to be closed. There's going to be loads of places closed tomorrow because a lot of companies have decided to actually um, give the staff a bit of an extra holiday. Looking to a feet up myself uh, kind of thing. Alison says, kindest regards to you. I still love listening to you. Even though I'm not one for sending many emails, I download the podcast... And certainly LBC is a big feature in my daily life. Many congratulations for gaining top figures for the early breakfast show. I know, it's so exciting. Actually, the funny thing is, it, it didn't really affect me that much until we sat down and I looked at the figures. Because what they've got a habit of doing here, which I'm never in favour of, I wish they never did it. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're a presenter, people say, you know, we, we've had this before where people, when I used to do a, this show on Channel 5... Five's company, they would sit down at the end of the programme, perhaps it's how it works in television, and they would watch the programme back and analyse it. And I used to sit there and cry. I'd think of any excuse not to go there. Because I didn't... How you can analyse something after you've done it, I don't know. Radio is a bit instant. You can't sit down and say, right, this, this was what the programme was today. Now, how can we make it better? Because my track record speaks for itself, so I don't need to worry about making it better. I need to, you know, if, if I entertain myself and if I entertain the people I'm working with, that's what I call my benchmark. That's, that's who I think I'm aiming the... Not necessarily with Jess, but, I mean, half the time she's off with the fairies. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All she's worried about is whether she's going to get to Les Miserables or not <laughs> or go and see something else. But, that, but that's what it is. So I can't analyse programmes afterwards. So I've never listened to a podcast. I've never listened to anything like... Because I, I wouldn't want to listen back to it because it was what you did at the time. It's, it's because I don't know how to do it, basically. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It's because I'm totally useless with anything technical. Somebody said to me once, wouldn't you like to learn how to drive a desk? Well, I went into meltdown, even, even suggesting the very idea, because, I mean, there were tears, there was tantrums, we had the whole caboodle, because I'm, I can't be bothered, and there's not enough capacity in my brain. I can just about master driving a car. I can drive a car and put petrol in, and what else can I do? I can close the door by myself, and that's about it. 
I had this dream that somebody slammed my car door the other day. And I get really angry if people slam my car door because you don't need to slam them. They just sort of close quite, quite nicely with a little clunk. And uh, that's why it's it. And this person in my dream, and I can't remember who it was, but they did it four times and it was beginning to get on my wick. <laughs> so I think I got out and hit them. I can't remember anything else. I can't remember my dream. And then I woke up and I thought, what was I dream? You know, when you wake up and you've had one of these peculiar dreams. And you, you don't know. So anyway, so when we were doing the audience figures, going back to this, they have this thing, they do a graph. And they show you, this is other radio stations. And this is, you know, this is the BBC. And this is, you know, BBC Radio, whatever. And all these other stations in London. And then this is LBC. And it was like huge spot. And I thought, I wish I'd taken a photograph of that. You know, and, and I thought, how egotistical, Stephen. How egotistical to actually do Because next time it might not be such as big a spike. But then, as I say, I've had a, I've had a quick... A quick listen around the network to the things that are on. And there's nothing that's a patch on this. Nothing that's a patch on this. You know, some people might come out and imitate or try to imitate. But it doesn't work the same way. It does. I heard somebody this morning trying, trying to do a similar kind of thing. But you can either do it and you can't do it. It's not something you can put on. And that's why I said you can't teach people to be a radio presenter. What you do as a radio presenter is you, if you listen to my very first programmes on LBC, and sadly I do have it on tape, and it's never hearing the light of day, let me tell you. Uh, the very first one, because it was all on tape, I've got the first hour of Steve Allen on LBC. It's staying in the spare room under the bed. It ain't coming out for love nor money. When I'm dead, they can play it all they like. I shall will it to somebody here. But it's Steve Allen doing LBC Reports Midnight, because I used to do the overnight programme, Night Extra, and then Weekend Night Extra. But we had this LBC Reports Midnight programme, which was a news programme, put together, and I interviewed people, and it was all... The, it was a round-up of the day's news, effectively, before you went to bed. And so I did it, but it was all terribly butch. Good morning, this is Steve Allen. And I had to read the news and everything. It was all terribly exciting. But in the early days. But then you gradually grow and you start doing things and you find your feet and you discover what you can do and what you can't do. And uh, I always maintained that I was, I was a member of the NUJ, but I, I wasn't really that interested in going out and doing reports. They said, oh, would you like a reporter's shift? I said, not really, no. wasn't remotely interested in anything like that. I just want to sit on air and broadcast because that's what, that's what I can do. That's what I can do quite well, I think. But uh, if the year goes by, says Alison, as quickly as last year, it'll soon be Christmas 2013. I've decided to leave the tree up. Might be safer that way, mightn't it? There's no, there's no point in worrying about it, because you're right, it'll, it'll whiz through so terribly quickly. Uh, I went to the Barbican last night, says Sybil, for the New Year concert. It was lovely. Yes, sir. Do you know what they've got on tonight? Oh, I've, I've, is it tonight, I think? If I had a paper, I could tell you. Gary Barlow and friends. Gary Barlow entertains some of his superstar friends. So I thought, oh, good. Montserrat Caballé. You know, Pavarotti, no, Mark Owen, James Corden, and um, Nicole Scherzinger. It's going to be a bit low rent, isn't it? And it's been pre-recorded. I mean, no big names in there at all. All very sweet, but nothing, nothing particular. That's Gary Barlow's superstar friends. I was, I was seriously expecting, you know, all the big Hollywood names going over, but I didn't get anything like that at all. Yeah, much as though we like Gary Barlow, it, was, it, it wasn't very much going on with it at all, I'm afraid. Uh, had a really good evening, our little Italian... Says Patsy, the one I recommended to you. Very civilised, and today the decorations are coming down. Lots of people are taking uh, deckies down. Yeah, well, you don't have to take them down till the 6th. You can leave them up till 12th night. As long as they're... T- and also trees, they don't have to be down. They've just got to have the lights turned off. Although I have seen people leave... That's the rule. Yes, as long as they're actually... The lights are off, that covers you. If you... No, your tree's not... Is your tree light on its last legs? <laughs> they've left the heating on so it's gone brown all the- actually I did that one year I had the heating on I had it in a bay in, in my bay window in a house I had and I put the tree in the- and I thought it looks really nice I decorated it and had all the things and first I should have been warned by it the first day I looked around the- I had green carpet 
Green Twist. You've got Green Twist. It's a very popular colour, but mainly with sort of stripped pine and stuff like that. Very popular. And I noticed one or two needles. And so, uh, so who put them up? Very good. I didn't take any notice of it. Who put them up? No, no. And the next day, there was one or two other needles. <laughs> it was like a scene out of a cartoon. Because by the third day, I moved the tree a little bit and the whole thing, the whole thing descended into the carpet. The whole thing. And I was looking at a twig in a pot. And I sat there thinking, it was just, it was so sad. It had this little set of lights on, but it was just a naked tree. It didn't have any clothing at all on it. And I was walking uphill because I had so many pine needles everywhere. And because I was walking around bare feet, every so often I get one stuck between my toes. Oh, my goodness, it hurt. And so I hoovered all this thing up and I was so cross. I was so cross that I got this tree, which was now a twig in a pot. Because somebody said to me, if you've got central heating... Water the tree. You, these things drink two pints of water a day. It's a living object. Once they've cut it off, the idea is that you put it and you can buy special buckets which you fill with water. You watch, two pints a day your tree will drink because if you don't, it will dry out. It's like having a bunch of flowers and you don't bother putting any water in there. Eventually they'll go and they'll keel over and die. They go brown and crusty and that's what happens to your Christmas tree. That's what Hampshire Christmas trees. So you've got to water it. And most people don't think about that. It's generally stuck in half a log, isn't it? So you think, oh, that's fine, we'll throw it out. But as you take it down the stairs, you know, it's dropping needles all over the place. So in the end, I bought a blue spruce. A blue spruce. And it was, it was a blue spruce tree. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. It was cost an arm and it was blue. It was absolutely blue. Not bright, bright blue, but it was like a dull, but not this bright blue we got on the screen, but more like the uh, the second colour. Not the first one, but the second bit there. It was a little bit darker than that. It was beautiful. Absolutely. And it shimmered and it did everything it was supposed to do. So I was very pleased. And I've never seen one since. I think I paid about 60 quid for it. This is donkey's years ago. Donkey's years ago. Amanda from Swanley. Says, I want to thank you for cheering me up every working morning. Good, we'll have more of it this year. And going back to the Titanic, John says, Wish my mum, Celia, a speedy recovery. Currently listening to you in bed as she recovers from that norovirus. Oh, it's everywhere, Celia. It's horrible. It's not nice. We've had the coughs, the colds around here. We had the sickness. I thought at one point we were all going to go down with it. I seriously thought at one point, because if you're working in a tight-knit community, not that we hold hands or anything like that, but, I mean, if we've got now hand-wash. We don't, we don't do... There's not very much touching. But we've all got this hand-wash everywhere, and you have to do that to try and sort of keep things at bay. And thankfully this year we've sort of emerged relatively unscathed. Relatively. Not, not completely, it has to be said. Not completely. Uh, 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk. Uh, one here from uh, Dan. He says, uh, I don't know if you saw Alan Carr's programme last night. Terribly low rent, full of foul language, and Christine Bleakley pitched up as some annoying northern girl. Oh, hi, you. There she is, Christine Bleakley, a woman whose talent knows no beginning or end. He says, really, really poor, only lasted ten minutes. But I saw an Alan Carr programme the day before where it, they seem to get away with more, and it just seems to be on some of these channels where, where it's quite acceptable for people to have foul language on there. And it's, it's accessible to children. You know, people watch Celebrity Juice because they put those sort of celebrities on there. But the language is disgusting. I mean, it really, it's, you know, appalled even me. And I'm, I'm fairly thick-skinned on that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought Queen Alan Carr's Royal Sketch on Channel 4, says Stan, was an extremely bad taste and rather pathetic. He's obviously struggling to find new material. Best sprouts available from Waitrose. Thank you, Stan. Yes, I mean, so it's, I don't know how far you can go with the royal family. I really don't. Time now, LBC 97.3 is 9.30. Morning. You're right about the M&S toilet rolls, says Elaine. <laughs> 
They're definitely not the same quality, I'm afraid. And uh, Jennifer in Bexley Heath says, I agree with you about M&S. I ordered their veg packs with a turkey. Very poor and quite expensive. Yes. They, I think what they did was, when they, when, whenever companies start losing business and their profits dropped, they start lowering the standard. And they think we don't notice. They think we don't notice. And so, as far as I'm concerned, you know, having been a very loyal customer for years, I still buy a few things in there, but the majority of my business now goes to Waitrose. It really does. I like the staff in Marks and Spencers. I think the management are blooming useless in there. I really do, honestly. I think they're terrible. Terrible. They spend most of their time stacking shelves. You know, and they have to ring bells if there's you know, two people on the tillons are queued to the back of the shop. But I tell you what, guess what was on sale yesterday in Iceland? Guess what? No, not mince pies. Well, apart from mince pies, Easter eggs. They've got the Easter eggs out. I kid you not. I, I, was, I, was, I was going down. I picked up some things to take to Paul Cooper's boys, some min- mince pies again, I'm afraid. And, um, and I thought, she's putting out Easter eggs. <laughs> she was putting out Easter eggs. So they've got Easter eggs on sale. I mean, we're, we're just... We just it into January. When is Easter? I can't remember when. <laughs> End of March or something. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And there you go. Colin, Tesco is selling Easter eggs in Stevenage. I mean, it's, it's the whole world gone completely mad. Completely and utterly balmy bonkers. Dear me. Uh, Umi and Ealing uh, says, uh, Good morning. Wish you and your colleagues at LBC a very healthy and prosperous 2013. Thank you. Uh, Steve, do you know what Tommy Boyd's up to now? No. You could probably check it out on the internet, I should imagine. And from Sandra, says, Thanks to our volunteers, and Happy New Year to the supporters of the Stairway to Heaven Memorial Trust. We worked so hard last year and raised enough to start building the memorial to the Bethnal Green Tube disaster, as you know, the worst civilian disaster of World War II, next to Bethnal Green Tube. We just need to raise the last chunk of money to be able to finish the top part, and hopefully we can achieve that in time for the 70th anniversary on the 3rd of March. Good luck with that, Sandra, to the Stairway of Heaven Memorial Trust. No doubt on the internet they'll have all the details on there. And uh, that would be rather nice to see. We've managed to get so many things put up, haven't we? Some, it was nice that Robin Gibb, who was a big supporter of Bomber Command, uh, put his weight behind that memorial. It's lovely to see. If you've never seen it, go up to there. If today you're going to see the New Year's Day parade, then afterwards wander up to the Bomber Command Memorial. It's up um, just by Admiralty Arch. And it's, it's really good. Lynn says, please don't say this year will we'll whiz by. With everything going on last year with the family, it seemed I blinked in March and spring was upon us. Well, we're celebrating with Easter eggs now. Easter eggs already. It's ridiculous. Um, Martina in Pimlico from her loving partner, Augustus, to hubby John, uh, to hubby John, daughter Fiona, her husband Adam, son Matt, his girl Lucy. Good grief. And that's all from Debbie. We did Aunt Bessie's parsnips and sage and onion stuffing balls. Very tasty, says Norman. Yes. I, I do like Aunt Bessie. I'd love to know who she is. I don't think she exists, but I, I quite like the idea, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, another one here. Love your show very much indeed. This is Cool Dip from Gravesend. And said, I previously sent a message on the 25th, but I think you ran out of time or missed it. We've just become crow- gr- proud grandparents. To a baby girl, Tia Rani, born on the 22nd of December. She's beautiful. So well done to Geeta and Sam. She's nice, isn't it? It's nice. Uh, tons of your uh, texts and emails coming in. And uh, this is Sheila and Ed in Dulwich. BB says, you saying we have to switch off the Christmas tree lights now? No, the 6th. The 6th. The 6th. 12th night is the 6th. You take it from the 25th and you count 12 days and it's the 6th. If you don't, apparently you get bad luck. You get bad luck. And so that's why... I don't mind somebody having their, their tree up. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's just if you've left the lights on. 
So what I should do is I should turn the lights off and all I've got to take off archery. We didn't put any baubles on this year. All we did, and this, this I mean, you could do this next year, it was so easy. And it looked really fantastic. Uh, it, it, unless you've got cats, in which case it's not brilliant. Is we had the tree and it's, I think, about a six foot. I've covered it with 500 lights, two sets of 250 each, uh, multicolored. You could put it in white, but, you know, I'd rather do multicolored. And then I drenched the tree from top to bottom with that little Mylar stuff. You know, these silver things that hang down and they come in. Also, a friend of mine, Al, found some in a poundland, which was really good, which is even prettier. And that's got all different colors. And just drenched the tree in it. Now, if you've got cats, they will pull it off. And they'll, they'll probably try and eat it, because that's what cats do. But if you drench the tree in it, it looks brilliant. It looks absolutely brilliant. So, there you go. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, totally agree, Steve. Read the foul language on TV, and I'm quite thick-skinned, too. There's so much of it. There's so much of it. It's, it's just, it appears to be, you know, everywhere. It, it appears to be just about everywhere, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, another one here, as we get everything in. How was your Auntie Enid's Christmas? Not, not good this year, actually. Not good. She spent a lot of time heavily sedated. Um, I mean, not, not really for, for her, her benefit, for everybody else's. <laughs> you know, because she has been a little bit of a worry over recent years. You know, ever since, let's just call it the Sprout Incident. I don't want to go into any further details about it. But, uh, so this year, Matron did ask... And, and did say, how would you like to see her on Christmas Day? And I said, horizontal. And I'd forgotten. I thought the matron meant, you know, perhaps we can sort of dispose of her and get rid of her. But they have had her heavily sedated since, I think, about the 20th of December. So, in fact, she has no idea that we've had Christmas, which is quite nice. So when, when, when she wakes up, it's like every year, we always do exactly the same on, uh, on April the 1st. We always, we always go round and we pack her little bag... And we take her downstairs into the foyer of the big house where she's staying. And, uh, and then we bring, bring the car round. And then we're all in the back. And then we drive down the drive, waving and going, April Fool. It's, it was a funny. We always have a good laugh every year doing that for her. <laughs> yes. I mean, she probably thinks it's Easter, actually. But no, she's, she's, she's spent a lot of time heavily sedated. Best thing for her, poor love. There's no point in coming down. All her food's got to be liquidised now. Ever since we had to take her teeth away for another incident involving some chestnuts, which I don't want to go into at the moment. So, uh, so that's it. Um... Uh, another one here. Uh, greetings, Jess and Steve from David in Hornsey. Be on your metal because there's a massive threat to your show figures. Oh, no. Sorry, Fat Bird. No, her audience figures are dire. Dire. Absolutely dire. I'm terribly sorry. Yes, I mean, no, she's. Uh, no, she can't touch us. With a... Nobody wants to listen to the Fat Bird anymore. Nobody cares. It's a shame. Have you bought your Euro Millions ticket? Have we got Euro Millions tonight? Is that. Is that how much is that worth? Oh, is this the 25 millionaires? Is this the 25 millionaires that they're trying to create tonight? I don't I've I've got tickets that will run over anyway for the... Today must be Tuesday. You better buy it. You could be a millionaire. Although we had this discussion the other week on the programme as to whether or not you could retire on a million. I mean, eight million. You, you've worked out how much you would need. You see, I think five million. I could retire on five million. You'd buy... I'm not much older than you, Jess. I mean, I think you're probably still in our 20s here, plus that. And... I think that would be... Yes, I mean, we worked out, we had a, a sort of little competition within ourselves of how much you could survive on. If you're a certain age, if you're a pensioner, you know, if you're maybe 65, 70, <coughs> a million pounds... 30 quid. A million pounds, you could retire on, leave money to the, the grandchildren, the godchildren, and everything else. That'd be quite nice. But if you're a person of 20, 25, 30, a million pounds is useless to you. I mean, it's nice. It's not going to change your life. It's going to give you... But in fact, it wouldn't even really buy you a super... People get you a lottery winner and you bought what? A small flat. I mean, around our way, flat started about three hundred thousand pounds. 
You know, wherever you go now, there's no such thing as cheap property. You can move out of London, but what's the point of moving out of London? You know, you live in London, all your friends are in London. I couldn't do that. So you, so you buy a house which might cost you, what, £600,000, 700000 That only leaves you £300,000 left. Three, you know, 300,000. You can't do much with 300,000 quid. Not if you're, if you're 20. It makes me laugh when people go, I'm doing this. And you see them spending all this money and you're thinking, should you not be investing that for the future? There was one, one couple who featured in the papers just before Christmas. They won 600,000 and they had it invested by one of the big banks. And it was only bringing in 10 grand a year. And they were going, but I thought we were going to be, and they think 600,000 you can live really well on. Well, you can't. You cannot. You know, you're going to get at best 5%, aren't you, on 600,000. You're not looking at a lot. The time you've done tax and all the rest of it, you're not going, there's not enough to sort of live a super multi-millionaire lifestyle. Definitely not. And so if you're, so, you know, if you won 20 million, 30 million, I mean, anything above 10 million, I think you could live very well on and you could probably quit. But what's the point at 20 years old of retiring because you've got to live for the rest of your life? What are you going to do with yourself? You'd be so bored. You would be so bored of, of not having anything properly to do. People go, it's like being unemployed. I mean, I'm delighted that the government are now clamping down on the long-term unemployed. People who are just so bone idle, they lie in bed all day, then go and collect their benefits. I'd just take them off benefits immediately. Take them off benefits. Get out there, get a job. There's something you can do. There is something that you can do. You can do something. You can sweep streets. You can do something. Get off your fat bum and get out there and do something. It annoys me. They had that Julia Hartley Brewer phone call from a bloke who'd been offered a job and it meant getting up at eight o'clock in the morning. He said, I can't get up at eight o'clock in the morning. I, thought, I mean, you know, you're not really sure whether these people are just terminally stupid or they're just ignoramuses. In his case, probably both, I should imagine. It was just pathetically awful that somebody couldn't get up at eight in the morning. Good God, I get up at two in the morning. Love it. Absolutely love it. Gives you purpose in life. Gives you purpose. The idea of just lying in bed going, oh, I can't be bothered to do anything. You've got the long-term unemployed. They've got enough They've got enough money to smoke and drink and have children and buy loads of Christmas presents and a big 42-inch colour television, but they can't get off their fat bums and get out there and do a job. There's all these poor road sweepers out there. Look at this gorgeous weather. Gorgeous weather. If you were in bed till midday, you would have missed all of this out there. You could be a road sweeper and enjoy all of it. You could enjoy all of this. It would be wonderful. Uh, another one here. It says, uh, I wasn't impressed with Judy Dench using the F word in Skyfall. Really? Judy Dench? Oh, dear. That was nearly a heart attack moment. Um, I'll take the decora- decorations down today, but just leave one on our dog Stella's bed. And uh, that one can come down. And say, well, let me- it's great, you know, if you, can, if you can do these things. It's fine. It's great, you know, if, if you can actually take the decorations down. I like to leave them up as long as possible. I bought the MS packs of stuffing and cocktail sausages. Six pounds each! Says Kelly, six pounds each. It's a lot of money. We're, we're all now panicking over the Euro Millions tickets. We don't want to miss out on a million pounds. Because, you know, a million pounds could be quite nice. Who else has picked up my, my card today? Let's find out. Oh, Daryl Rose has picked his card up. There you go. It's two, I think. Everybody gets two. Uh, Jan says, I love listening to you in the morning. You keep me laughing. There's a lot of laughing going on, isn't there, really? I'm not sure whether it's medication Yes, we'll change that. Uh, 84850. Uh, one here from Mike says, if your podcasts are so popular, does this not tell the management you're on at the wrong time? No, no, no. No, no, no. Far from it. Listen, I'm quite happy coming in at this time. It's lovely. It's very nice, I promise you. And also, it's nice to have successful podcasts because I can luckily get both. I can get people listening, hence the audience figures, and they podcast the programme and they download the best of Steve Allen on Sunday. The same programme, people have heard it three times. I've only heard it the once. 
there's people more interested in my programme than me. How does that work? Quarter to ten. I shall wear my sunglasses later. It's very sunny outside, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost summer. And uh, did you not pack your sunglasses? I never walk out of the house without my sunglasses. I really did. It was dark when I left. I have to be honest, I'm surprised I walk into walls. Uh, James Max with you after 10 o'clock this morning. A third of local authorities are putting in place measures to limit speeding. But do you support a 20 mile an hour speed limit? Where are you? Would it help reduce accidents? Well, you can still kill somebody at 20 miles an hour, I'm led to believe. 20 miles an hour, a car hits you. It can still be dangerous. It's just a ridiculous speed. I find it bad enough having to do 30, I'm afraid. And a primetime comedy show has come out of criticism for being too rude. So does it matter what's shown on TV after the watershed? Well, I think it does. And I don't, I don't wish to be prudish, but, I mean, kids now, it's bad enough when you see them on television, they've had a few drinks, you know, the 12 to 14-year-olds, spouting off filth and bad language at the police. So when you actually have a programme that does... And I've, I'm sorry to come back to Keith Lemon again. I've seen it more on that than anything else. Just filth. Just filth. I mean, you know, fine, but stick it on a channel where nobody watches it. Oh, sorry, it's on a channel where nobody watches it. Uh, plus, at what age do you stop being young? That's an interesting question. What age do you stop being young? As I remember going to the CAA, the Club for Acts and Artists, and they have some, uh, some quite old members there. But they're not old because they're in showbiz, and people in show business. It's only when I see somebody's age, when they say, you know, so-and-so died this year, and you look at their age, and you think, good, I never even thought about it. I never, even th- I never think about people's age when I look at them on the television. I, I just look at somebody and I, I, don't, I don't think anything. So at what age do you stop being young? All that and more with James Max after the news at ten. Mark says, you may have already discussed this, Steve, but what did London think of the fireworks last night? What did I think of the fireworks? I didn't see them. It was only 12 minutes, wasn't it? I've had longer-lasting sparklers. 12 minutes. Well, they were probably lovely, but, I mean, I think they should go for at least 15 minutes, fireworks. At least 15. Some friends of mine were down in... Could I- Yes, exactly. Canary Wharf, some friends of mine, they said they, they're going out on a barge, and they said, uh, do you think that uh, we can see the fireworks? I said, yeah, they're up in the sky, you'll see them. I didn't see them, I've, so I've, I've got no idea what they were like. The bits I've seen on the television, they look fine, absolutely fine. Um, Dan says, great to hear you talking about LBC's history, as next year, oh, this year, this is LBC's 40th year this year. Our 40th year of, uh, of broadcasting. He says, I've always wanted to know, was Mike Dickin as angry off-air as he used to be one on-air? No. No, he wasn't, he wasn't at all like that. He would, he would psych himself up. He would psych it, but then Brian Hayes would psych himself up before the programme. Some people have got things like that. Sometimes people like to pick an argument in the office, so that puts them in the right frame of mind. I'm always better in the office if I've spoken beforehand. You can't come down to the studio and start. It's like, you know, going out with the car when it's still cold. You've got to go out when it's warm. And that's what you've got to do with your voice. You've got to warm yourself up. You know, opera singers, la, 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 la. That's just the women. La, 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 la. You know, have to do that. And you have to do the same if you're a broadcaster. So, no, he wasn't, he wasn't grumpy at all. Drink took, took the better of him, I'm afraid. Mike did enjoy going out for boozy sessions. Well, in fact, the entire company used to enjoy going out for boozy sessions. Everybody went out for boozy sessions. Uh, I'm listening on my new MP4 player, which is lovely, says Iris. She says, I shop in uh, Waitrose in Victoria because uh, I have a local M&S in Cardinal Place. So there you go. She loves all the shows on LBC, which is good. It's what we like to hear. The more the merrier. My wife and I left our Marks and Spencers for the first time in 15 years when he used them for a Christmas treat, and the standard was not particularly good, says Michael. I think the whole standard has, has, has dropped, I'm afraid. Very disappointing. Um, might Ian and I have one of your Jackie Lawson cards? I was so treasure one, says Janet. No, no, they only go... They only go to 
Really, really special people. Really, really. She says... <laughs> and she says, I look forward to another show. If it's a magic one, I can bring magician assistant Dr Ian again. Well, there will definitely be another show at the Magic Circle. There will definitely be another show at the Magic Circle. Simple as that. Uh, no two ways about it. Uh, 84850, uk. Another one here that says, this is from uh, Jenny. I agree about Waitrose. Good quality in the Starford R branch. is so nice. Oh, the Starford R one are the slowest ever. They look like half of them are borderline between death and the real world. I mean, they really are so slow. So slow. M&S is uh, not, not so good. The staff are good. I like the staff at m I know quite a number of the staff at uh, an M&S. It's just that the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the sort of the same the same sort of things all the time. Nothing particularly interested. Uh, 84850. Uh, Dawn in Beckenham. Poor lonely old Dawn. Anyway, so still podcasting, Dawn. Bless your heart for that. Thank you so much indeed. Wonderful he- hearing you uh, talking about uh, live radio. And he says, uh, I can only hope in my wildest dreams I attain anything but your skills in presenting both on radio and television. I mean, James Max has done it through sheer hard work and said, oh, he's an absolute trooper. Honestly, I mean, Fido, as far as I'm concerned, in the history of the English-speaking world, he has done more, ladies and gentlemen, through self-sacrifice for anybody else. It's, I mean, it is wonderful. I mean, it's just... I don't know how he copes. I really don't know how he gets away with it. Sorry, c- copes with it at all. Uh, Noreen says, happy belated birthday to Katie, Neil's beautiful daughter, and a lovely day to Neil and the family, who are away at the moment. Everybody's away. Uh, and Mike says... He says, I work at Waitrose, and we had a delivery of cream eggs on Christmas Eve. Ridiculous, isn't it? Mike is on a narrowboat at the bow. <laughs> How lovely. Yeah, Easter eggs are everywhere. I'm glad you've all started noticing. I thought I'd gone mad. On sale at Morrison's last Saturday. Have a happy, healthy and peaceful. Still hoping, says Linda, you will make the Queen's Theatre this year. OK. So, uh, we, we, I'm sure we will do something this year. I'm just trying to, it's trying to fit everything in. Uh, when are they going, how are they going to determine when they're going to make 25 millionaires or when they decide the prize is going to be won, yet they say it's a game of chance? Well, no, it'll, it'll go to 25 people. They'll have a, I don't know how they're going to work it out. How does that work? Do you buy special numbers? I don't know. But there will be, yeah, perhaps there'll be a mathematician. There will be 25 winners picked. So perhaps it'll be, they'll, they'll go down through the numbers and they'll pick people like that. Perhaps it's those who deserve it the most. So that's me and Jess, and that's sorted, which is wonderful. Uh, 84850, Phil from Green Street Green. Uh, no, Susan's still on holiday. I think it's going to be Lisa Aziz. Lisa Aziz tomorrow, I think. Uh, another pick-up notification. Oh, Daryl's picked up his second card. I loved it. I sent about 30 or 40 of them last night. So excited. So excited. Uh, Wendy's in Banstead. Thank you very much indeed. Another, another long-standing listener. And um, uh, Simon says, well done to the Tories for dealing with benefits culture, unlike the non-Labour Party. You know, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, Joanne Webb. Oh, look, Joanne Webb. I've got a thank you note from Joanne Webb. Oh, look, look at that. Bless. They're very good cards. Jackie Lawson. J-A-Q-U-I-E-L-A-W-S-O-N dot com. Seven quid for, for two years. And she's got hundreds of cards on there, all animated. Go on the site and just, just check it out. Because it's absolutely... Worth it. It really is. It's wonderful. Uh, Re LBC's history says, Colin, what's Robbie Vincent doing these days? Retired, I think. I think he's retired. I could be... He's probably listening, going, I'm not retired, I'm doing this and that. I can't remember. I thought he was a magistrate as well. So it might be. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Merv and Jenny in Berry in Lancashire. 
and a lot of people out of London who listen to this programme, and people in London as well. The magic cure for coughs is turmeric. Not too much, just a quarter of a teaspoon will be quite enough in hot water. And Lordez says, can you wish Claire a happy new year and a happy birthday for today, of course. Many happy returns to the day. If you're celebrating your birthday today, many happies. Uh, when I was a kid, my mother used to listen to um, something on Saturday nights and a show featuring an Indian presenter, Geeta. No idea. I don't know. I don't know, I'm afraid. I don't know that one. Somebody can... Geeta. I can't think of anybody called Geeta. There was a programme called Geet Marla, but that was it. Uh, Remite Dickin, says Patrick, I stayed on his farm to watch the non-event eclipse. All I, as I can say, he's one of the kindest gentlemen I've ever met. Yes, he, he died years ago now, a long, long time ago, but I worked with him and uh, for many, many years. Need my daily dose, says Christine in Dublin. We're back again tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30, which is lovely. So uh, we will expect you here. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, this one here, just another pick-up from, uh, from Bryn and Annie over in France, who had a lovely day. Thank you so much for your company this morning. Thank you for record numbers of texts and emails. Very, very grateful for those. Um, and another one here, it's uh, happy 84th birthday to my dad, who doesn't have a name, sadly. And uh, the fastest rambler on radio, Stephen All. Uh, Petri and Amanda she's, Petri and Amanda says you are the fastest rambler on radio. It is true, actually. It is very true. And uh, and somebody says here, oh, can't I can't open it or anything actually. So it's a shame when you can't open something out. You know, sometimes you you really want to open up an email and you can't. It's just teasing, actually. It says here you're naturally bitter all the time. I know for this price, it's embarrassing. Really, I feel guilty pushing the wheelbarrow all the way to the back. Which reminds me, actually, seeing as today is the first. We've got to get the invoices in again. We've got to get paid again halfway through January. Have a lovely, lovely day. I'm sure you will have. It will be uh, gorgeous weather out there. It's sunny. It's pretty, in fact, it's actually one of the best days we've had in ages because we had such miserable weather over Christmas. What with the rain and all the other, the other things. Jill says the best thing about 2012 was finding your show. There you go. What more could we say? You and the rest of the world have also discovered LBC 97.3. So have a lovely day. I shall talk to you tomorrow morning. I shall be tweeting a little bit later on, depending on whether I go up to the Winter Wonderland. I'm not sure. Is it a day for Winter Wonderland? Oh, blimey, now the bloody phone started talking to me, which is all very worrying. So have a great day. Happy New Year if you've just woken up. If you've still got the headache, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't matter. We don't have headaches. We haven't got, we haven't got time for headaches around here. So I'll talk to you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. After the news, James Mack.